Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And guys you probably know by now are Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Eric. Ward, Ward, Ward. What a weekend. I'm trying not to be depressed being back in my garage, but you're here. What could be depressing about being in this garage? (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't seen the video of the garage yet, now might be a good time to look at it. Uh, no, it's impossible to be depressed after another, the the most magical weekend in Bloomington. And it's also impossible to be depressed when you are powered by Probably my favorite one yet. <laughs> Did you have to stay in that low register because your voice yeah, is shot? <laughs> I got no voice. Look, there is so much to talk about with this weekend. Uh, we tried to document as much as we could on our Twitter account, so we do suggest following us on Twitter if you don't, or check us out, at Hoosier Hysterics, for the hysterics, no E, no I, but, but the, the sometimes, sometimes Y. is uh, just so much to talk about, but... We don't need to spend it just you and I talking about it. I think there's somebody that everybody else would much rather hear talk about it. I can't think of a better person to talk to about this weekend. He's the one. Let's just get right to it. Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there are special episodes, and then there's special episodes. Eric, this falls into the latter category. Please, please tell the listeners who's on the line. Hailing from Bloomington North, the Mighty Cougars, we are talking to a gentleman today who played basketball for Indiana, where he won two Big Ten championships, where he was part of some of the most special teams of modern Indiana history, certainly in the last 25 years. We are talking to someone who is an assistant coach at Indiana. We are talking to somebody who is the head coach at Texas Tech and Lamar, someone who is the head coach in the CBA, coaching and scouting experience in the USBL and the IBA, and someone who is the current pro scout for the Indianapolis Pacers. Please welcome Pat Knight. How'd that sound? That is, 
That is one hell of an introduction, gentlemen. Holy cow, man. This is great. <laughs> you just, we'll, we'll send you just the intro that you can just put as like your ringtone. You can just use that. Well, you know, you've heard those stories when the guys go down to Mexico to drink and stuff and they hire a mariachi band to follow them around. And, yeah. You know, for the whole time. I need to just hire you guys to follow me around when I go out. That's, what, that's awesome. We're man. in. We're available, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pat. Let's jump right into it's. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night. We're going to release it tomorrow morning. This would be a good time to to say that's why our voices are destroyed. Yes, we apologize to the viewers, or viewers, the listeners, for our terrible voices. But let's jump right into what happened this weekend. We were lucky enough to be there and to experience just a, a memory of a lifetime for every fan. But Pat, take us through just what. Let, let's go back to when was the first time you heard that something about this weekend might be happening? Well, you know, it, it all starts with all these reunions that have been in the past and, and somebody, you know, that doesn't know anything really comes out and starts doing stuff on Twitter or, you know, Instagram that, you know, Coach Knight's going to show up. He's never been supposed to show up. And they'd always crack me up. Really, if you don't hear it from me, it's not happening. But the problem is, I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on Facebook. And but it's people. A lot of the time, I don't even know them. But then people start believing it, and then the thought, the, the thing that always bothered us and our family is, it makes my dad look bad. You know, then right. people think, oh, he didn't show up. You know, he, he uh, dissed the fans. He did no, he didn't do anything. He was never supposed to show up in the beginning, and so. They had that reunion, you know, like four weeks ago. Same thing. I mean, I, I got uh, reporters calling me. Is your dad really showing up? And it was like, no, I, this is this has not come from anybody in the family. You got to quit believing it. And even at the uh, Nebraska game, uh, Doc Sadler's a great friend of mine. He called me all excited, thinking Coach was showing up for that game. And I'm like, Doc, I, you know, I just talked to him a day. <laughs> he would have mentioned something to me, and so. That's been going on, you know, and so, you know, this has been in the works, you know, from a bunch of, you know, all the players, you know, we've been trying to get it done. And so uh, the first is Randy Whitman that really got this going. So after that weekend, uh, my stepmom and my dad's wife, Karen, calls me and it's like, and I think it was Monday, he's like, you know, it's the morning here in Vegas. And, and she's like, hey, you know, Randy Whitman talked to your dad yesterday and I uh, asked him about coming back for the 80 championship team, and uh, he agreed to do it. What do you think? And I'm just like, you know, one, it's in the morning, and, you know, I was caught off guard because, actually, I was going to work on this. I thought we could maybe get it done next year. Um, but so Randy's the one that broke it open, and so I talked to her for a while about, uh, you know, she, you know, she didn't know which way we should do it and i just talked to her about all the good things and, and why she do it and she was great i mean she listens like well, it gives me a lot to think about and you know and i told randy if he wants to do it we can do it so immediately i get a hold of uh larry rank our team doctor my dad's doctor and family friend and he's at his grandson's game and, and he's like dad i was gonna call you he's like we got this thing we gotta we gotta get this thing rolling he was like coach agreed to it he's like i need you to call randy so I called Randy Whitman up. He's the same way. Pat, I was going to call you. This is this is unbelievable. And Randy had called Coach, you know, for the 81 championship, NSA championship team a few years ago. And 
of course, coach ripped his ass a little bit for about 15 <laughs> minutes. And, and so, so Randy's like, Pat, I mean, he was like, I was just calling to check on him and just ask him. I was prepared to get my ass ripped for about 15 minutes again. I told my wife, I've been playing golf, had a few beers, I'm feeling good. No, then I'm gonna call coach and see. Because Randy's like, you know, I see these guys all the time. I don't need to come back for a reunion. See my teammates, I see them all the time. I'm only gonna come back if coach is coming back. So Randy, you know, Randy says he calls coach. He's like, Coach, Randy Whitman, blah, blah, blah. Hey, just checking if you might come back for the uh reunion for the eighty Big Ten championship team. So Randy, you know said, you know, he kind of pulls the phone away from his ear. He's waiting for it. And all of a sudden, Coach is like, well, Randy, you know, who do you think would show up? And Randy's like, whoa, wait a minute. He's like, well, you know, Coach, uh, if you're really serious thinking about this, it won't just be our team. We'll get everybody back. And Coach, my dad was just like, well, you know what? I'll do it if you guys really want me to. And so Randy got smart. You know, had my dad put his wife on the phone. You know, hey, you heard what he said. You know, we're we want to keep him to it. And so Randy just, he's the one that just broke the door open. And so, you know, and then we got Quinn Buckner involved, Scott May, uh, Dr. Rank, Bob Hill, uh, myself. And it, it all just started four weeks ago. And we've been working on it ever since. And I actually went to Bloomington on Monday. I had two games this past week. I was supposed to see the Mavericks play Wednesday, then their G League team Thursday. And the Pacers have been great. Ryan Carr, vice president personnel he called me i was like no nah, you need to just go back home so nobody screws this up so i was actually in bloomington since monday making sure nothing got screwed up hey, pat had you been back in bloomington since your dad and karen moved back uh yes for christmas i i, I spent uh, a couple days there in christmas because my mom's still in bloomington my, my wife's dad's up in indy so it's great now we can kill four birds with one stone when we go back <laughs> but i haven't but me personally, I have not been back to Assembly Hall since since my dad. And, and so for me, it was special. I mean, heck, I haven't seen Matt Nova for 20 years. Wow. You know, I had to watch that crappy movie. I told him, I was like, man, I got to watch that crappy movie, Blue Chips, just to see it. <laughs> and, and so it was great for me just to see a lot of my, just not my teammates, but see, I, the, the thing for me is I'm the only player that transcends all the gener generations. I mean, the, the older guys, they babysat me, raised me, and the guys I played with and the guys I coached. And so it was so great for me just to see that whole group of guys again. Was it was it at all nerve-wracking for you, or did you get butterflies walking back into Assembly Hall for the first time in 20 years? Oh, I felt like the senior night, you know. Or, you know, just w when you know it's your last time playing and the emotions. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it hit me right away when Scott Dolson was waiting for us because, you know, Scott was like, God, he babysitted me when he was a manager, you know. And so <laughs> that's when I see Scott, and I haven't seen Scott in person in so long. He's the first guy I saw and hugged. And then we walk into the – I mean, I, he did a great job. We walked back into the um, practice gym, and all those guys, you know, we had 50-some guys return and see all those guys. It was just uh, uh, amazing. Well, Pat – I wonder, because I'd heard this from some of the other players who returned and they hadn't been back, was it something that was difficult for you to be estranged from the program, obviously out of loyalty to your father? And, and some of the other players said, you know, I wanted to go back to IU, but I couldn't betray coach. And to me, that just seems like it had to be so torturous because we love 
I use so much, so many people do. And to be torn between two sides like that, was that something you experienced? And if so, for you and the other players, what did it mean to be able to come back? Yeah, it, was, it sucked, to be honest. You know, I, you know, yes, when you get fired, you're, always, you're upset for a few years, but then you get over it. So now I'm like, but I can't come back because I don't want to disrespect my dad. And I know how people are. If I come back, they're going to make a big deal. Oh, he came back, but his dad didn't come back. And I mean, like, for an example, when I took over at Texas Tech, Matt Painter's one of my best friends in the business. Um, I had a booster that flew my staff up to Purdue uh, for practice and spent all day with Painter. What happened? Uh, front page sports says Indianapolis paper. Oh, Pat Knight goes up to uh, Purdue, but he doesn't go down to Indiana. So I was just always careful and didn't want to, you know, cause any friction like that. And so I, I, I stayed away. And, and uh, the last, actually, I had it set up when I was at Lamar because uh, I had played money games at Purdue and Butler. Indiana called and gave us a great amount of money for one of those money games. And, so I actually called my dad and I was and I was like, Dad, I don't want to disrespect and you know, I won't go back if you don't want me to. And he never told me I couldn't go back, but it was just out of respect for him and I was like, Dad, Indiana's offered this, uh, just for to play one game down there and he was like, What they offer you? And I was like and I told him <laughs> the figure. He was like, Son, you gotta do it. He's like, You're at Lamar, you know, that's a lot of money, you know, for scholarships and just, just the school. And so I actually had it set up, and then I screwed up and get fired. So some other guy brings the team there, but I was all excited. I was going to bring my Lamar team there, and that'd been my first time back back in Bloomington. That had been like eight years ago. Uh, so, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was going to ask you. I heard a, a rumor that I wanted to see if you could confirm. Uh, and then I want to touch on something you talked about with how the media has handled the rumors of uh, coach returning. But uh, I heard that Coach has a very special ringtone on his phone. So I know Randy called him for that. Do you know what, what your dad's ringtone is on his cell phone? Yeah, Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. <laughs> yes, confirmed. That is so perfect. I think most people would be amazed that, like, Coach somehow figured out how to do the ringtone. I can't do that. Well, well I'm sure he had help from his wife. Coach is not the most – I mean, he doesn't know what a text message is, so we got to check his text messages. And I tell people, don't text, Coach. He doesn't know what it is until, like, I show up and see him. He's got, like, 90 of those things on there. Just call the guy. <laughs> uh, Pat, one thing you brought up before, and, and you were being diplomatic about it, but I'll just say it. There were even people like Seth Davis, who's got, like, a big footprint in college basketball world, who even in reporting that, like, Coach is coming back – this last weekend would take like a little dig by saying, but everybody's not a hundred percent because he's backed out before. And everyone that I have talked to has said that is just factually inaccurate. He has never backed out. He's never committed to go. And it again fits this pattern where there are just so many people who love taking someone down. They want to write something negative. So it's not enough that he's coming back. It's, oh, he bailed on it before. When that never happened, and I just want to drive home the point that that never did happen. He never committed before this weekend. No, ever. I mean, I could, I mean I'm the closest one to him. It's, and now, believe me, I've tried. You know, what, you know Quinn Barkner, Scott, Macy, Brown, we've been trying. But he just wouldn't uh, relent, and so he has never, ever said he was going to come back. Right. And, and that, 
And that's what always bothered us. You know, and I don't blame the reporters if, if they actually do believe that then it, and they think he backed out. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them, you know, for if they want to take a shot at anybody that backs out of anything. But the truth is, he has never backed out of, of anything because he's never agreed to come back. Right. And, and let me just put a, a positive spin on those rumors. The negative digs aside, those are inexcusable. But to me, what that represents is how badly people wanted it to happen. We all just wanted to believe so bad with every rumor and whisper that it would be true. Did you or did your father or even any of the other players know how much we, the fans, needed him to come home so we could say thank you? And so there was zero doubt in his mind how much we love him. Oh, no, there's no doubt. We knew it. Uh, the players know it. We wanted it just as bad or more. And it was kind of funny when I was at Lamar, I think my first year. So he's talking, gosh, been nine years or, or something now. He, he actually went back to Ohio State. Uh, he got inducted in the Hall of Fame. They honored him at a football game. Right. And he calls me that night. I'm, I'm just, I'm a home in Beaumont, Texas. And he calls me and gets choked up on the phone. And it's like, that is the biggest ovation I have ever experienced in my life. And I, and I was like, Dad, I'm not trying to be a devil's advocate here, but I was like, I'm happy for you. But if you ever go back to Assembly Hall, you can time that thing by 100. And of course, I, well, you know, yeah, mate, you know, he didn't want, he didn't, he didn't want to talk about it and change the subject. So, you know, we, we've known for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and we've tried, and but, you know, but we finally uh, got it done. So, yeah. you know, we're happy about that. But, you know, we all wish it could have been done sooner, but things work out, you know, for a reason. So, Pat, help us, the, the, our listeners and us, put us in that room in Cook Hall in the practice court where you walk in, coach is there, and you are surrounded by players that represent every single era of, and every single team, basically, that coach coached at Indiana. Walk us through it a little bit. Who did you see first? What what interactions really stick out to you? Just give us some flavor of what was going on in that room. Well, is it, you know, you walk in and, you know, Steve Green, you know, he's telling me, hey, you know, when I was on, on my visit, I held you. You were six months old. And, wow. You know, then, then you see uh, the uh, Randy Whitman, Buckner, Kitchell. I mean, I, I mean, I wore number thirty in Boys Club because of Ted Kitchell. And you know, and it just went on and on. And the funny thing is, guys like uh, John Leskowski, I mean, last super sub. He's at co- he stopped by a coach's house to bring him a milkshake because uh, you know he has that Culver restaurant now yeah. in, in Indiana that's doing unbelievably well. We so, go there every time we're back. Yes. Oh, okay, so I come. I've left for a little while. I come back and there's Laz sitting there. He gets up and introduces himself to. Him. I'm like, Laz, what the hell? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't. I know who you are. Oh, you know, I've gotten a lot older. I was like, no, don't even uh, give me that. I mean, I knew every guy, and then all of a sudden, here comes. Brian Evans, who I played with, Todd Leary. Uh, and then all of a sudden, here's the guys I coached, you know, Luke Jimenez, A.J. Guyton. I mean, I covered the whole gamut uh, of those guys. And uh, it was just something – for me, it's one of the greatest days I had basketball-wise. That and probably my senior night uh, at Assembly Hall. I mean, it's just the feeling, just all the emotions. You want to cry. You want to laugh. Everyone's hugging each other. And I mean, it's one of the best. And then you see 
coach's face, how happy he was, um, you know, how happy his wife was, you know, it's just, it was just great. You know, I mean, you just don't, you know, there, there's a great movie and, uh, one of my favorite movies growing up, Vision Quest, yeah. and, uh, the wrestling movie. Sure. There's a, there's a great scene in the hotel where he worked in a restaurant, uh, worked at a hotel and the cook at the restaurant had taken off for the day. So, uh, Loud and Swain, I mean, that's bad. I know the name of the character. <laughs> Loud and Swain comes in and knocks on the door. And shoot, he was checking on the cook because he's never missed a day of work. And, and he was taken off for his wrestling match that day. And the guy had a great speech about, you know, was, you know not many people get to experience, you know, those five minutes. And we got that. That was one of those moments just being in there with my dad and all the past players, those five minutes. And the whole speech was, you know, not the five minutes, what you do in those five minutes. But that was one of those five minutes for us, let alone the five, you know, the five minutes at, at uh, the halftime. And so to me, not many people get to experience those type of lifetime moments. And we had them, you know, Saturday by engines coming back. So you're there with all these former players. Everybody's getting their chance to to reconnect, which just has to be emotionally charged. And then there was a time, I know, where they took Coach back to speak to the current team in the locker room. Were you there yeah. for that part of it? Yeah, that was right away because I was hugging so many people. They had to grab me. It's like, Pat, we got to go. We got to go. Because, I mean, shoot, those four kids had a game and had to go and warm up. So Randy Whitman and I walked my dad back to the locker room and we're back there. And then again, you know, I'm good good friends with Archie, Bruiser, all these guys, but I haven't been able to really talk to them and come see them because I haven't been back. So I see all those friends. Hug them. And so Archie does a great job introducing my dad. I mean, just total flat out. None of us would be here. None of us would be here if it was him. So uh, he introduces my dad to the team, and Coach is kind of quiet for a minute. So, you know, Randy and I are kind of looking at each other like, and all of a sudden, it was like something clicked. You know, the first thing, gentlemen, you know, we've got to beat their ass. You know, yes. and to do that, we're going to have to come together as a team. And, you know, we have to block out. We have to, re- I mean, it was unbelievable. And, but it's funny. So afterwards, when Archie introduces Randy and I, I actually told the players, like, I was like, gentlemen, I was like, that was kind of bullshit. I was like, you guys got the PG version. <laughs> and I, when we played, we got the X rated version. And, uh, but no, he, he was. Just like, I mean, Randy and I talked about it afterwards. I mean, it just took us back uh, to our old locker room. And, and uh, he was great in, in uh, talking to the team. So let's talk about those magical five minutes. Can you talk us through the the approach to Assembly Hall and just take us through the whole experience of what happened out on the floor? Well, we just, you know, we were talking to him. And, and Coach was great. He's like, you know, make sure you remind me. You know, if I got to do something or make sure I acknowledge everybody, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out. And so, you know, we told him, that, um, and, and before it, so you got Scott May, Quinn Bogner, Steve Green, myself, and, you know, Scott May is kind of, man, we're going to be able to hold it together guys, you know, <laughs> I don't know, man, this is going to be kind of tough. And so I was trying to break the eyes. Like guys, you know, I want to apologize. Like for what? I was like, you know, the scoring average of all of us combined really took took a hell of a dip since they added me to it. I'm sorry <laughs> to screw up you guys' combined scoring average. So, coach is just sitting there, and my wife's there, and, and uh, uh, my dad's wife Karen's there, and we're just talking. He's just hanging out. They got the countdown going, and Scott Dolson's there. So, finally, like, you know, I'm like, Dad, you ready? And so we get him out, and, you know, 
he's not he doesn't move as quick as he used to but you know we start moving out there and then all of a sudden you hear sergeant chan bobby bobby and i mean it was so surreal and we get out there and the great thing about the fans instead of being emotional from like a standpoint that you're going to break down heck we felt like we were in a game again i mean you just got jacked and so happy to be there that you forgot about kind of being sad you know and so then when he started you know chanting the defense and getting into it and and so and but he was great he sounded like, who do i need to wave to you know we remind him and that you know you know make sure he nods the side over here there and then when they brought all the players together and and, and uh everyone hugged him and, and uh got around him and you know he's got key smart doing the defensive slides yeah so good and, and so then it was great because, uh, you know, Mr. Vital came by the house the day before just telling stories how my dad would just mess with people all the time because people were, you know, he, he'd use that them being scared up to his advantage, you know, jump somebody's ass and then hug them right afterwards just to mess with them and scare them. And so, I was, you know, so I'm telling my dad and all, all Mr. Vital asked me, he's like, Pat, any time during that event, can you please just have him come over? So I can shake his hand and give him a hug. So I'm like, damn, hey, we have to go see Mr see uh dick Vitale, and he's like what should i do and honestly i told him i was like you need to fuck with him i was like <laughs> i was like i was like you know it's i was like it's your boy so that's why he went over there and and you know it was it was great you know Vitale shakes his hand then he roughs him up and throws him around a little bit and then you see that that shit eating grin on his face when he when he gets done with it and then he's got the crowd chanting defense defense and then finally Todd Larry comes over to me at Buckner. We've had him out there for so long because we were worried about, you know, he's no spring chicken. You know, we had a chair in case he needed to sit down. But, oh, my God, all that energy. He's all over the place. And plus, there's a game to be played. They're like, Pat, we got to go. We got to get him out of here. So it's great. So I grabbed my dad. I said, hey, it's time to go. And we take two steps. And he looks at me. Was that good? I was like, oh, yeah, you got him good. And um, so we walked off the court. You know, I acknowledged the people even more. And uh, that was it, man. I mean, it was just like, and it goes in a blur. I've watched the, all the different videos. And, and, the, and the thing that the people understand that weren't there, those videos don't do justice to how loud it was in there. No, totally. Totally agree. We were there. In fact, if, if you happen to watch it again, you may see us. We're courtside wearing, I'm wearing a red hoodie, and Ward is standing next to me, and we are clapping. And don't realize there's cameras anywhere near us. We're both, tears are in our eyes. And at one point, I just grab Ward to give him like a little half hug. Because I just, the emotion was just pouring out of you. You just wanted to like hug somebody because it just felt so good. It just felt right. My father-in-law and brother-in-law were at Nick's. And they said it was so emotional in Nick's. Right when we entered the tunnel and they showed us walking them, you know, to the floor. And, uh. No, nah, I mean, is is a. I mean, I got text messages from more buddies and coaches that admit that you know they broke down crying just watching it. But you know, it, it's well deserved. It's been too long, and and uh, I, I I think it healed a lot a lot of things, especially like you know, it's funny talking to my dad when we're leading up to this about what was going to happen going on. We got I was like, Dad, you understand? Every person is going to come up to you because we kept it players only, one spouse, Quinn Buckner. Handled the whole deal. He just did, it was about the players, the fans, and my dad. And so I just told my dad, like, Dad, look, anybody that comes up today is going to be a player. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know if, if you 
uh, remember him or not, you know, but, you know, he, but that's not a, but he had no problem. And I was like, but all you got to know is everyone that comes around you today is someone that loves you. Mm. And, and he was great. And it's like, so, so you promise he's not going to be any asshole. So that like, dad, we have a no <laughs> asshole rule. And I was like, dad, if an asshole shows up, you know, if you hire, if you make sure you pay my bail and hire a lawyer, I'll take them all out. Everybody that's going to come up to you today loves you. And so then he was like, all right, because we had a police escort, uh, undercover car waiting for us outside his house. And it was great. So he's like, I'm ready to go. And so he gets up and he's like, he's like, Pat, hell, do you think anyone's even going to show up for this? All this stuff, right? and he's like, uh, Bob, you'll be surprised. Uh, don't worry about that. So well, got out of the house, got in the car and took off and went, went to the practice gym. Well, along with the, uh, the players, there was over 17,000 people there who loved them. And to me, I was able to get just I, I could contain my crying to the video montage they played before you walked out. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see. Oh, what, that was awesome. It, it was so beautiful. And then when you guys actually showed up and you just saw all these players that meant so much to us, to fans and can't imagine what they meant to you and, and your dad. And and as that all goes and it's just so much joy. And then it took me coming home this morning um, back to L.A. and watching all those clips like you did with my wife. And I just I could not stop crying. And and, and it's just it, it, it's something where we all I, I think we've all wanted it so bad for so long. So that's like 20 years of what's packed into that. And then for me, my previous 20 years, I'm thinking about my grandmother who's no longer with us. And my dad, who brought me down to so many games to watch you guys play. And it was something that I think we will all, as Randy said to us later that night, you know, he goes, guys, I got kids and I got grandkids, but this is right there. (laughs) Today was right there. We stayed, we stayed at my father-in-law's house because we did the deal at the Pacer game that night. So I had an early fight. So we stayed at my father-in-law's and my wife were laying in bed. She finds this video of the guy, I think, uh, started the varsity club. And the lady's like, hey, this is my uh, 90-year-old grandfather. And he started the varsity club. And the look on that guy's face went, because uh, the whole video was like his reaction to when my dad came out. And my wife summed it up. It's like, that's why we do it. You know, for the people like that, that, you know, my God, that were there from the beginning. And and, and that's what, what it was, you know. It, it was nothing, you know. uh for anybody else except the fans and, and that's a great you know people understand you know i've been around my dad you know we've been going 20 years and we talk about iu all the time and uh never say anything bad about the university or uh the fans he always talked about how much he loved the fans his coaching there and now he didn't say some great things about certain people you know yeah, sure. that <laughs> some certain people but it was never about the uh, always talk high to the fans and just the people living in Bloomington. And so that's what I think people need to understand. It was never them. And, and uh, but that's why we, we did, you know, work so hard to get this done because I mean, there are the better fans in the world. I, you know, I don't care what anyone said that show, you know, especially all the bullshit that's been going on with cause bass with the cheating yes. and all that. And it's taking a huge black eye. This kind of shows you really what college basketball it is about and what it can be again. 
um, if they clean it up. Although I will say, I agree with you, Pat, except there is something special about your dad uh, that transcends college basketball. Oh, like he's a yeah, and Matthew Quinn's my dad. I'm talking about as a player. You know, there's a little handful of guys that say they played for Vince Lombardi right. or a Bob Knight. I mean, there, there's a handful of guys. That, or Bear Bryant, when you tell them you played for those guys, I mean, people just want to know, you know, what's it like. And that's, I mean, he's one of them. I mean, like, you know, he's like the, on the Mount Rushmore of coaching. I mean, that's the easiest way to sum it up. Pat, uh, I, I'm going to share this with you. I, 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 I've uh, shared it publicly, but – I'm not sure if you got to see this or heard about this, but several months ago in November, we hosted an event at the Bluebird in Bloomington. Oh, and yeah. your dad I saw came. the video. Oh, yeah, great. I, that, great. I, everybody says, I'm like, what the hell? He's in the Bluebird? I need to be in the Bluebird. <laughs> you don't need to be in the Bluebird. <laughs> That's right. Well, um, that was awesome. That, it, was, that was great. It was for Ward and I. It was just, it was the, I, I don't, A dream come true. Yeah, I don't even have words for it. But after that happened and that video went out, People reached out to us via Twitter, and they got our phone numbers, and and we got tons of messages from people from Indiana and from across the country who watched the video to, and wanted to tell us what it meant to them. And one such person was a Hoosier born and raised in Indiana. I won't use his name to protect his privacy, but he's living in a different state now. and He's an older gentleman, and he reached out and he said, um, what I got to see because of that event seeing Coach back in Bloomington surrounded by Hoosier fans who loved him, he said, I I can only tell you this. I am dying of terminal cancer. And one of the things I wanted to see so that I could go in peace from this earth was Coach Knight back in Bloomington. And that video and seeing that allows me to do that now. That's what Coach Knight, that's what your dad, your family what you guys have done for Indiana and for us, that's what you mean. I'm not sure how anything can top that. I mean, it provided peace to a fan who is dealing with a life-ending issue, and seeing that gave him happiness to go off the earth with. Uh, That's what Coach Knight means to Indiana fans. No, I mean, that's why, you know, I was talking to his wife, you know, the whole time as this was leading up, just – the people that he's going to affect, it's not, and it's not just the people that arena, the people that can't go to those games that are in other states and they're just waiting for this. Um, it's just going to have a p- profound impact on everybody in a positive way. And so that's what we worked on. I mean, it, <laughs> you did it. Well, and, and, it's stressful. I'm sure. We got it done. Well, look at, at the Bluebird, we, we didn't even know if you'd want to come on stage uh, we didn't know, you know, if, if and frankly, until he came in the door, if, if it was really going to happen. And then when it did and he came up on stage and it was quite emotional. And then we thought that that would be it. But your dad began looking in earnest for a mic. And of course, he cracked a joke on us right away, which Just was made fun of us right away, amazing. which was amazing. I loved it. Thrill of a lifetime. But then what he said and i think his actions on saturday said the same thing without any words that he told us that he loved us too and yeah. i guess we always hope that and deep down knew that but for him to actually be able to say that to us it's for us it's like you know he's my father's age and and he was my uncle he was a role model he is who we all looked up to and cheered for 
and he was gone for so long to hear him say those words that how much he loved us uh it, it's something that will stay with all of us till the end of our days no it's great i gotta give you guys credit because that started opening up ideas for a lot of the players hey wait a minute we may be because it took me a couple of years to finally get him to move back to Bloomington. And then when he did the Bluebird deal, I mean, I, I, people were saying to me the next day, I'm like, what the hell is he? And he said the Bluebird. I was like, and then I started thinking, I was like, man, maybe I don't have to, you know, wait a year to right. try to ease into it. Because, I mean, hell, they still got boxes they haven't unpacked. You know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to just overwhelm him and, and, and his wife with everything. But that kind of opened some stuff up for us and, and uh, so i gotta thank you guys oh, and, and uh but no shoot it it happened a lot sooner than i thought but you gotta give randy whitman man shoot he had you know uh had a little courage there and was, was willing to take a little ass to him for us and <laughs> end up open open up the door and we all jumped on it uh to, to make it happen and kept reminding him and, and you know he kept on saying hey, it sounds like it's gonna be fun you know we're like oh yeah it's gonna be a lot more fun and, and when you realize and, and we just kept working it and we stayed in contact with each other i know uh and scott dolson was huge he was the one guy from the university because he was in the man you know yeah manager for us and so they'd have conference calls between scott quinn uh i mean scott may scott dolson uh larry ring bob hill quinn bugger and one of them would call me, relay what they talked about. And so I'm in contact with Randy Quinn, Dr. Rick, Mr. Hamill this, this whole time. And then um, they were all glad I came in early uh, during the week. And, you know, because you never know. It's coach. Heck, he could change his mind on, <laughs> on the flight, you know. Uh, but, I mean, he was always for, you know, just, yeah, shoot. Everyone's coming back. And we just kept telling him, you know, how much a good time he's going to have. And, and, uh, and shoot, it, it worked out. I mean, I was I had that worst headache yesterday and when I got home and still in a daze today. Randy Whitman texts me today. He's still on a high. I mean, everybody's just still uh, loves it. Uh, you know, you, we mentioned a lot of the players that were there, and we're going to do a disservice by not mentioning all of them. But what struck – I mean, obviously, seeing Isaiah Thomas back there, you know, Keith Smart, Dean Garrett, I mean, all the names you mentioned. But there was one guy that was there – that actually surprised me when I heard the name. Ward and I actually looked at each other. When they announced Jay Edwards was there, yeah. I, it, I got like, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it because Jay's career at Indiana obviously ended before we all wanted it to. He chose to go yep. to the NBA. And then Jay has met struggles in his life, real life problems. Yep. But the fact that Jay came back to pay his respect to Coach Knight was just such, I don't know why that stuck out to me so much. It was just such the perfect thing to say, this is what Coach Knight was to Indiana. He impacted people's lives, not just the game of basketball, but their lives. And for Jay to come back and whatever baggage existed, to put it aside, to pay his respect, I just thought showed what kind of character Jay has as a man and how he's grown. And and again, a testament to your dad and the impact he had on, on these kids' lives. No, I mean, I was shocked because uh, he, he won. He got there later, and he actually was at the game. And so I didn't see Jay until I walked out on the floor, and he came up and hugged me. And even my dad's wife was really impressed that he showed up 
and and, uh, and but then I feel bad for the guys that couldn't make it. I mean, we got a lot of guys like Pat Graham texted me today how happy he was, but he's coaching his son's team. You know, they had a, they had yeah. a sectional game, and you know, Steve Alter called my dad the night before. He's texting me feeling so bad, but you know, Mike Lewis texted me, but you know that I'm kind of glad I wasn't coaching because you know, shoot, you know, there's some things you just can't get out of, and, and uh, that's why I felt bad because we put it together in four weeks. But we had to do it. I mean, we were going to miss this opportunity. And uh, and they told me that's the biggest, even with the guys that couldn't get out of stuff, that's the biggest turnout they've had for any reunion. Oh, so, it was, you know, you it, it couldn't was, ask for anything more. It was mind-boggling to see all those those men come out before your father. And I'll just put uh, uh, this out there. We, we did get to do one of these episodes with Sharon Wilkerson, and he was another who's a head coach down in Madison and couldn't make it up for that game. But he came up for the Bluebird game. And yep. there's this theme of redemption, you know, w- we were seeing with Sharon and, you know, now with Jay, and hopefully we could get him on the pod at some point too, that it, it was something that even though things could have even ended badly, that they – ended up turning their life around and understanding what he was trying coach your dad was trying to impart to them and Sharon is such an amazing human being that uh, you know I know he got a chance to be with your dad in the bluebird and you know hopefully moving forward and uh, this will lead into my next question of players coming back more often to Bloomington and be able to spend that time with your father if they haven't been able to do that recently. Do you see yourself or some of the other players that have been estranged now eager and willing to come back to games more often and just be a part of the program again? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I've been waiting on this, you know, just to go around and see everybody, you know, you don't have to work, you know, Go, you know, go see Jay Sears, the, uh, you know, our long-time equipment manager, mm-hmm. you know, without being at a circus, you know. Now we can just fit in, and we're one of the guys. And, I, and I, even with my dad, like Jeff Alfont, his daughter's on the volleyball team, and he wants to – he already talked to my dad and his wife about taking them to volleyball games next year. Well, now it's not going to be a circus. The coaches want to fit in. But, you know, people are still going to come up to him. But now you're not going to have to hear about it on ESPN. He can just go to a volleyball game. The, uh, the women's coach came up to us afterwards. And, you know, he go to women's basketball, baseball, and it doesn't have to be a, a circus. He can right. just enjoy it and just enjoy, you know, the time he has left in, in Bloomington and just be part of the community. Uh, Pat, with all the emotion that took place in that room, uh, and all the the feelings that were flying around, I do have to ask you about this. Brian Evans is a ridiculous human being. Am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the best, man. He is so funny. We had him on the podcast. He is such a good storyteller. He he still does. He still maintains he's not sure he committed to Indiana University. Your dad just told him he was coming to Indiana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's many of those, uh, those guys. I mean, you weren't allowed to take visits or or anything. Uh, I mean, guys, you know, you, you either come or not. Oh, but I'm going to take one more visit. Okay, that scholarship might not be waiting for it. <laughs> we, you know, something we have detected a pattern in the players we've had the pleasure of talking to that were playing under your father. You're such great storytellers. And your, your, your father obviously was great at spinning yarn and hitting a punchline, 
was that the kind of guys he recruited that had the kind of parents or is it that the fact that you guys all were under his spell at least for four years you got a whole lot more than that and that now you have people like us coming up to you for the rest of your life asking for these stories so do you just have to become a good storyteller if you played for iu especially under coach knight well i think you're around it you know he's a smart ass i mean uh, and and it always cracked me up when he called me a smart ass and I always be like where do you think i got it i'm like hey chris but also i think you have to have a certain personality though to play for him he's not you know Hey, he's not for everybody. This flavor's not for everybody. There was a lot of guys that didn't like it and left. For those of us that he he was the type of coach we wanted to play for, he was perfect for us. And and, um, and I think everybody that played for him and, and made it through, you can you had to have a personality. I mean, you couldn't. I mean, you know, it wasn't easy. And, and uh, but boy, you're better for it in the long run. And, and um. It, just being around him, his personality, uh, you know, I think it rubs off on you. And, and, uh, but I also think it also started with the recruiting. You know, there's a certain type of kid that can play for him, and that started it. But then you just, you know, he turns it, he takes what you already had and just makes it better. You know, you leave there, you know, you come in a boy, but you leave there a man. And uh, Isaiah Thomas is great. I remember he talked to our team when I was playing. He was like, you know, guys, one day you're going to realize you know, you make it through here, you know, one day you're going to realize that all, everything he did to you, I mean, it doesn't, you know, the put, you know, pushing you to be as good as you can, uh, how hard it was to play for him. Uh, you're going to realize one day that it's all worth it, and it's for a reason. And he's like, but it's going to click. It's going to be a weird one of those kind of deja vu moments. And Isaiah was like, it took me 10 years. Hmm. And he's like, but you're going to have it. And I actually had mine. I was, uh, I went to go work for the Phoenix Suns for Dick Van Arsdale as a gopher right after college. And I'll never forget, I'm just laying in my apartment. Just one day, it just hit me. Just like, and he's my dad. But uh, <laughs> it was just like, holy shit, man. All that <laughs> stuff, you know, you used to get mad, you know, mad about or, you know, you know, he, God, he's on me too hard. He's making me do this. You know, but he just took you to your limits, you know, that you didn't think, I mean, made you better than what you thought you could be and um, and just pushed you to be the best. And I, I, I'll never forget, I had that moment. Never, all, all my teammates I talked to, everyone has at different times. And then I think that you see that, you saw that when he walked out on the court and all those guys just came to him. No, hey, there's some guys that won form, you know, guys right. that don't like him, talk bad about him. That's fine. I mean, I get it, you know. Uh, there's, you know, not every coach is for everybody, but for us, that was our guy, man. And and I think that the, you saw that. I mean, that wasn't fake bullshit. You know, that was just, I mean, that was love, you know, right there on the court. And you can't fake that. And so I think that's what uh, was great for everybody to see, uh, just, you know, just the love we have for him and, and what it meant for us is to play for him. My graduation goes, Jesus Christ, I didn't go to Indiana for the weather. I, played, <laughs> I came there for your dad. He's like, we got to get this done. He told me he wanted to come back. We got to get this done. So, Well, and I think uh, you're, you're speaking to the idea that for your dad and what you guys have realized later is that it's about so much more than basketball and what happened at halftime of Saturday's game was about so much more than basketball to all of us. And that, it, you know, the, the way he influenced the game is well chronicled. 
uh, fr- f- from college, obviously, pros down to every grade school kid shooting hoops in their driveway in the state of Indiana and beyond. But looking at how this reunion and this healing can affect Indiana as a program going forward, you know more about basketball. You forgot more about basketball than I'll ever know. How do you think something like this helps a program like Indiana get back to the point where what is being played on the court is worthy of your father's legacy? Well, I mean, he's back. You don't have to. Well, what would he have done? And uh, he's just back. He's back part of the community. You know, this, you know, and there's always, you know, you know, never take over for a legend. Shit, I went through that. I mean, it doesn't work. Right. And But, but there's, you're still going to have that. People are still going to compare. But now that he's back and he's part of it, people know, you know, he supports Archie, likes Archie. He's back now. All right, let's just focus out on the team. He's back. We have him back. He's a, he's a part of us again. Now let's, let's, let's concentrate on the future. You know, now we're going to see the past coming back more and more. Let's concentrate on the future. Let's concentrate on these kids now. They're busting their ass, doing everything they can, and now we can just move forward. And they always know, though, he's there to support. The past guys, we're there to support. There's no more bullshit anymore. Let's just let's just move on. I, I'm curious, Pat. I, I know obviously there was a game going on, and and I am sure that part of why Archie was in such a bad mood after the game was not just because we lost to Purdue, but we lost to Purdue on the day that your dad was there. And, oh, there's no doubt. No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and, and that's unfair to Archie. I mean, he was put in an unbelievable spot. Matt Painter's a buddy of mine. He was put in a brutal spot. I mean, you know, uh, both coaches and teams were put in a, in a hard spot. And uh, But Archie, you know, is unfair. But, I mean, they're going to bounce back. And, and uh, But this, you know, but this had to be done, and it was great. You know, I wish the outcome would be different on the, in, in the game. But, you know, you can't, you know – can't it's can't win them all you know no, Pat, but, but, I, but, I, but i know archie's such a competitor and you know he's eating at him but in the long run it'll be the best thing pat i hate to bring up purdue at any time i really do it just, <laughs> it's 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 difficult for me but i will acquiesce on this occasion what did it mean to you and your father to have coach katie there and and what does their friendship mean to them at this point in their lives Oh, man, they had a great picture. Uh, I think it was on the athletic because I, I did a, a, a deal with them, and they had a picture of those two just sitting there just quietly next to each other and the back of them just watching the Pacer game. It's a great picture, and they don't even have to speak to each other. You know, it's like an old married couple, you know. <laughs> seriously, you know how it is? Like, you know, you see those – those old married couples, you know, like if the, you know, you go to IHOP or something, and you can tell they they love each other. They don't have to sit there and talk each other's ears off. They they just need to be next to each other. And it's kind of like a surreal moment. We all kind of were were sitting back, and it was just the two of them up. There's a great picture, and they didn't have to sit there and you know they got in conversation some, but just being next to each other, I think, because I mean they've been in so many wars and battles together that. It was just comforting, I think, just to be in each other's presence. And the funny thing is, now, you know, they did all those – the last five years, they've been speaking together with Bob Hamill all over the state. They call each other every week. Um, 
I, the sad thing is, I was telling someone today, too bad they actually were at Indiana and Purdue. You know, if one of them could have been somewhere else, they would have been best friends their whole lives. Right. And, and it's always interesting when, uh, when we got fired in Indiana. Uh, I got, you know, I'm talking to Matt Painter, and he always told me, he's like, that was kind of it for Coach Kate. He kind of, the fire, uh, you know, your dad brought the and he and uh, he said Coach Katie would come in. Hey, did you see Texas Tech last night? God, Bob did this. You know, they were running this. That he loved watching my dad's teams when he left. And Matt always thought, you know, man, that was his his friend, but also his competitor that brought the best out of him. Wow. And and, and so it, it was the same with my dad. Yeah, we had great rivalries in the Big Twelve and great coaches, but it won Coach Katie. I mean, those guys go way back in the history. So I think they both kind of lost something uh, inside when they got separated from each other. And, but now to see the, see those two guys now, it's great, you know, but it's just, it was, this picture was like so surreal. And I was there staying behind him. It was like an old couple at the IHOP, man. <laughs> they didn't have to say shit to each other, but they love each other. And, and they're just happy to be sitting right, right next to each other, you know? So it's been kind of neat to see how that relationship uh, has evolved. Pat, I want to, <clears throat> I wanted to say this to you because I know that this weekend was about your dad and about the fans and about bringing all the former players together, but you were the other guy in this whole thing that has not been able to step foot back in assembly hall for over, you know, for 20 years. And from those of us that have been a fan of the program for as long as we remember, as long as I have known the name Bob Knight. I have known the name Pat Knight. I have known you as a kid hanging around the program. I have known you as a commit coming in with Damon Bailey in your class. I have known you because of the senior night speech. I followed you uh, as an assistant at Indiana and then rooted for you when you took over for your dad at Texas Tech and then Lamar and then followed your career. I followed it in the CBA. I followed it when you got hired with the Suns and the Pacers. I don't want it to get lost that you walking back into Assembly Hall was extremely meaningful for us as well. And seeing you, you said it at the beginning, you span all the generations of these players, just as Coach does. And seeing you back there felt very right. And it's been missing for this program. And, and I know it was about your dad, as it should be. But, Pat, it was so healing and good to see you back there, too. You look good in red. You always have. And we want to see more of it in Assembly Hall. I just wanted that to be said before we before we uh, spend another two hours with you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Hey, I appreciate it, you know. And, and uh, it was good to be back. And uh, um, and, and I'm sure Kilroy Sports Bar would really love to have me come back, too. That's <laughs> Probably even more so. You know, I wasn't a really good player, but I was a Kilroy Sports All-American. <laughs> I, I want to get that. I love um, that. Say. Pat, what is um what is your schedule now? Do you have a little more time, or do you want to wrap this up here? I'm not doing If you guys want to keep shooting the shit, I'm, my oh, wife's Oh, we want to. Job. Oh, I'm yeah. All right. Well, because you know, <laughs> what the the normal podcast we do is is really going going through it from from inception to present day. So, uh, if you're down with it, we'd love Let's to do this. Go back to to Pat Knight's childhood, and and I guess get right into talking about what was it like being Bobby Knight's son in Bloomington. Well, can yeah, I can no. I, 
before we even get to that, can I just ask, because we ask this of everybody else. I know it's different because it's Pat, but I am yeah. curious, what's your first memory of basketball? Like, how did the game, how did you find the game of basketball? Do you have an early Assembly memory Hall. of that? Assembly Hall. Wow. So my mom, my mom would, honest to God, uh, I remember uh, just, uh, my mom would drop me off at Assembly Hall. I mean, I, when I, like four years old, <laughs> drop me off at Assembly Hall, and my dad would bring me home. And so I remember, I think it was Bob Jerome was a long time since I had lecture. I'd go into his office. I mean, I can tell you where all the old offices were that totally changed it. And I'd just go hang out with the secretaries, all the different ADs. I'd go down the court. I knew every nook and cranny of Assembly Hall. Assembly Hall was my playground my whole life. Wow. Do you remember, who were some of the first players that you remember really, like, uh, forming a relationship with? Uh, well, uh, all, my, my, my two, two favorite right off the bat were, uh, Steve Allfeld and Steve Green. I actually had two fish, uh, I had two angel fish named Alfie and Greeno yes! when I was like five years old. <laughs> they, they were my first two favorite guys. You know, uh, I remember Steve Downing, but I was still a little, you know, a little too young. And, uh, but the, my, my first two fish I ever had on my own. I named them Alfie and Greeno after those two guys. Now, now Greeno is such a special guy. We, we got to have him on the program. He's up in Indy. Do you get to, to see him at all up there? He, he is just a blast. I have a letter, but you know, he came down and said we were coaching it when I was coaching at Tech. And so I've been fortunate enough. I've seen him periodically more than some of the other guys. And, and it was great. You know, after this deal, he's like, Pat, we have got to start having lunch. When you come in for the draft, when you come in for meetings, and, and uh, but he, oh my God, he, but he was like my first real favorite. Uh, he and Alfie, uh, when I was a kid. So back to Ward's question, I, I love that. When did you realize that your dad was Bob Knight? Did was there was <laughs> well, there a moment? To, yeah, when you're like in kindergarten, and all people do is talk about the basketball team, you know, and and so you kind of realize. Right away that, you know, things are a little different, you know, for you because everyone pays attention to you and then they start talking about the games and, and, and all that. So it's pretty much, you know, kindergarten, first grade, things are a little different for you because, you know, you're Bob Knight's son. Well, and I'm sure we'll get into how, how he brought you up in the game of basketball, but as a kid, what would you and your dad do and talk about that had nothing to do with basketball? Uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, no, honest to God, uh, it was all basketball. Cause that, that's, that's a great thing being a coach's son. You talk to other, same thing. You get dropped off that gym and it is, that's your life. It's basketball. And, and that's what brings you together. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't trade my, being back there in Bloomington was unbelievable this uh last week i get up i stayed at my mom's and then i'd hang on my dad in the name i go for a run every morning and just i drove to our old neighborhood our old houses and i mean i, I was lucky man it, it, just to grow up in the gym assembly hall and no it was basketball i learned everything <laughs> about women or girls at the time from the players the virgin the bees from the players <laughs> my parents never said me that i learned that in the locker room <laughs> 
do you want to you know, tell us who, who yeah, told you about there, that? Was there one no, specific? No, I really, I really can't. But, <laughs> uh, our strength coach, Frank Exton, I was having some girl problems trying to find some, I guess, no, find out more about some different parts, I guess we'd say. <laughs> anatomy? And, uh, yes, and he, he, he happened to have an anatomy book on hand, and that's down to, you know, so you learn from your strength coach about some birds and bees stuff down in the, in a strength, the weight room. I mean, so, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. I mean, I used to stay at Tim Garl's house. My parents would be down and he'd babysit me and he'd have to have me stay at his house uh, for three or four days. I mean, I was just raised, but that whole program just raised me, good and bad. I mean, all the habits, you know, I, I can blame on somebody in Indiana. Now, when you're a kid and people are coming up to you and talking to you about the games and you're seeing the games and you're seeing your dad, is your dad the same on the sidelines and in the huddles as he is at home with you? No, no, no. But, you know, there was – you didn't want to be around the house when they lost. You right. Know? He, he wasn't in the greatest mood and quiet and down the dumps and, and watching uh, film down in the basement. And uh, But, no, I mean, he, he, he was – you know – said you couldn't be that way you know at home right and i, I mean god <laughs> and, and but but you could tell when there's a loss man i'd go up to my buddy tommy barry's house up the road his dad was a great lawyer in town and i'd go up to tommy's man i'd spend there all day until dinner time i was smart you know, when <laughs> lost. and the good thing was they were so good there weren't many of those moments but i was smart enough you know and now coaching myself you know it sucks to lose and you're not in the greatest mood i don't care what they say you know, you're still not in a great mood. Even when you're around your family, you want to win that next one. So, yeah, it get a little quiet, but I was smart enough. I'd go play because we lived in the woods. I'd just go up to Tommy's house, and we'd go play in the woods, and then I'd come down for dinner. So that, that that's the only time that made it a little awkward. But I, but I was smart enough at an early age when there was a loss to get out of the house. My dad, who taught me about Indiana basketball, he grew up in the region in East Chicago and Gary. Uh, and my mom met my dad at Indiana. But my dad had little quirks. Like, I remember he loved the candy bar Chunky. I, I just always yeah. remember that he loved the Chunky. Give I us... hate it, though. I hate those raisins. I hate raisins. Yeah. <laughs> so give us something that your dad liked. Was there a specific food item that was always his go-to? A potato uh, he, chip, something? He loves, he loves skirt steak. My mom would always make skirt steak for him. What was the temperature? How do you like it? He loved nuts, man. Freaking nuts. Any nut. Cashews, almonds. And then that freaking nasty apple cider. You know, because they have all those orchards around around Bloomington. He'd let that shit sit outside and ferment forever. And he'd be drinking that stuff. And and the belches were the worst when you drink that stuff when you're a kid. But those were his deals, man. Skirt steak. That darn apple cider, you know, people would bring it by the office when it was in season, but in nuts. We always had bowls and nuts all over the place. We, we've heard that he loves chocolate milk now. Is that a more recent thing, or did that start? No, no, no. It's chocolate milk mixed with Coke. <laughs> he's been doing that forever. And it actually doesn't taste that bad. You know, well, it's kind of like a chocolate Coke, but yeah, he's been mixing that stuff ever since I was a kid. Chocolate milk and Coke. He, he actually had it every night. We went out to dinner in Bloomington this past week. Chocolate milk and Coke. And the people, man, when you order that stuff, people look at you like, what? He's like, no, try it. Why don't you try it? You'll like it. You can try a sip of it. And uh, But, yeah, that's one of his strange drinks, chocolate milk and Coke. Oh, wait, we got to ask if this is accurate. We read 
and and we didn't get to confirm it with Kirk Haston that your dad's red sweater sweater smells like donuts and Boilermaker tears. Can you confirm <laughs> that? <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good one. We uh, we wanted that to get out there. So, Pat, you are your assembly hall is your playground. You're exposed to these players and strength coaches, and I mean just everything basketball. Do you always remember loving the game, or did that take time to develop? That took time. I played everything: baseball, soccer. I was actually a really good soccer player. I played with Todd Yagley. Wow. And and uh, I probably would have kept playing soccer if I didn't have a growth spurt. And uh, that was my that was my love. I love soccer. Uh, uh, you didn't think I about being I, the goalie? Uh, I was. I played half. I was midfielder, goalie, and fullback. But my best position was fullback, being you know bigger and, and just you can knock people down. And and uh, but I I mean I, my first uh, I made I actually I made the, the tryouts the very first traveling team. In Bloomington, I made and uh, Coach Nelson uh, was our coach, and so soccer was uh, and it was great because my dad didn't understand shit about soccer. <laughs> and so Coach 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 Yankley, uh was actually a great uh, friend of mine as a child, like really helped me with my soccer, and a guy that I truly admired and, and loved to death. And uh, Coach Yagley, uh that's the guy I wanted to play for. I actually wanted to play for Coach Yagley as a child. And Todd was so good. He was two years younger. He actually played on all my teams, uh, the older teams. And so, really, I grew up, uh, my my probably two best sports were uh, soccer and baseball. Wow. I mean, this is nuts, Pat. I mean, you're growing up where your father is the greatest coach in the history of college basketball, and you love soccer, and you're exposed to maybe the greatest coach in the history of soccer. No, no, no. How about that? Yeah, it's just like, to me, it's just Coach Nagley that's just, you know, takes me under his wing, you know, and my buddies with his son. You know, I don't realize who Coach Nagley is until, you know, you grow right. up. I mean, I just think this is this nice man, and and his wife was the best, you know. And so, you know, I went to all the soccer games, and, and uh, we go out on the field afterwards and kick goals. And, and uh, I just remember, uh, God, the one kid, Armando Benton Court, was one of the greatest players they had, and just playing soccer with him. And I, I mean, so I was exposed to it, but you don't realize it. But holy cow! I mean, that, these are, these are uh, some of the all-time greats. No kidding. So, so can you uh, remember? a moment or maybe it was a season, maybe it was after the growth spurt where you're like, you know what? It is going to be basketball for me. And, and oh, you'll, lo- you'll love it. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of a, you know, typical kid, you know, I mean, that's kind of a jerk off, you know, I'm a <laughs> sophomore. I, I make the varsity more, more interesting, having fun and the game. I, I, I had my growth spurt between my eighth grade and freshman year. I went from five, eight to six, six. Wow, so that'll do freshman it. Year was, yeah, freshman year was good. Had, had a great freshman uh, season. And I remember playing with Brent City, who's now the uh, head coach now at Columbus East. And I jumped from freshman to varsity as a sophomore, just thinking, hey, I've made it. And shit, I was, uh, I made it. I, I jerked around. And, and you look back at it now that, you know. And so after the season, <laughs> I get called in the office. And coach is like, all right, you're going to make a decision. You're either going to play baseball or basketball. Because I actually, I, I actually gave up soccer because I got so tall 
but now I, you know, being six six, it's hard to run. You know, I'm not. Yeah. not a lot of six six soccer players no. running up and down the field. So, coaches, you know, sits me down. My parents are divorced, so I live with my mom, and so you know, I'd always see my dad when I came to assembly hall. And he's like, "Look, I'm tired of you wasting your talent. So, you have a decision to make: you either play baseball, or if you're going to play basketball, you're going to do it my way." He's like, "You come in here in the office." office tomorrow at nine in the morning and you give me your answer so i get home and you know of course yeah i want to prove them wrong and so i show up the next morning and this is after my sophomore year I'm like dad i want to play basketball so he's like all right you're going to do it my way so now this gets in a little difficult thing because i know this guy doesn't like me he doesn't like my dad or my family but dan dockage is the assistant and he puts, he calls Coach Dockage in and is like, Danny, you're in charge of my son for the next two years. Wow. And so, so that's why, you know, and I get it. You don't like my dad, you don't like me or my family, but I will, I'll never say, I won't say anything bad about Dan Dockage on the air because this is what the guy did for me. Dan, so, Danny and I, we played honest to God. We played one-on-one against each other every single day. So how would you like to be the assistant coach at Indiana, working for Bob Knight? Now, you know, you're working for Bob Knight, and then you got to worry about the Indiana players. Now you're in charge of his uh, 16-year-old son who's, you know, I admit, I was wild and, you know, out, you know, shit, kind of, you know, kind of a jerk-off, just one and a half month. <laughs> so now you're in charge of him. So it's. Not only is your ass on the line to get the IU players playing, now you got to get your head coach's son in line. And honest to God, we played one-on-one against each other every single day he was in town. Wow. And I, ne- I, for, I didn't take a vacation or anything. I've, I've worked out every single day shooting. And then, now my dad, I mean, he used to take me to youth school all the time uh, himself. And so between he and uh, Coach Dockett's, for two years straight, you know, end up having a good senior year. So we won sectionals, beat South, it was ranked fourth, all conference, all that stuff. And I actually committed to Creighton mm. before my senior year. I took a visit to Creighton, committed to him, but my dad wouldn't let me do it. He wanted me to go to a prep school. But it was after that sophomore year, my dad made me make a decision. And, uh, Coach Dockage and I, for the next two years, and my dad, I, I, I didn't miss one day of playing. I didn't even have AAU games. And we played, because back then, AAU, you know, it wasn't fun. I mean, we were playing tournaments in Bloomington, Evansville, Chicago. I mean, and you went to Vegas just one time, and it wasn't like it is today. So if we, had, if we were playing in Bloomington, uh, I'd have a game in the morning. I'd go to Assembly Hall and meet Coach Dockage to play one-on-one, come back to Bloomington South, Play an AAU game, and so that was like every day of my life for two years. But what it did, it enabled me to become uh, in how to key to assembly hall. I mean, how many kids have a key to assembly hall? Mm-hmm. I go in there anytime at night uh, uh, to shoot on my own. And so, between you know my dad and Coach Dockers and just playing every day, they made me a division, you know, a Division One player. Okay. And, and and so then my my dad sends me to prep school. And that was one of the all-time – I'm really glad. I mean, it was one of the all-time best decisions ever made. I mean, the friends I made there, the, the coaches. 
And so I was actually going to go, I was going to recruit my, I got my final two schools, uh, well, three schools, uh, University of Colorado, uh, Richmond University, and Utah State. And two of my dad's former assistants, Tom Miller was at Colorado, Con Smith was at Utah State. And so I got my business set up, and my dad was great. You know, he, he talked to me about coming back, playing with all my friends, because, you know, I, shoot, I played with that, all those guys during AAU stuff during the summer. And so I go in and sit, sit down with uh, Coach Tilton, my coach, and uh, I lived in his dorm. He's, all right, we're going to set up your business. So these are the three schools, and uh, he's like, my, he's like, now let's talk about something before we do this. He's like, you know, you're not going to play in the NBA. He's like, I don't mean to burst your bubbles. He's like, but you're not going to play in the NBA. He was like, no, you may be able to go to, over to Europe and play for a few years, but you're not going to play in the NBA. So eventually you're going to have to get a job. And, you know, I'm saying, yes, sir. Okay, when you sit at that job and they ask you, you know, where'd you go to college and where'd you play? If you say, well, I went to, you know, Colorado, average 12 points. Or you said, I went to Indiana and played for Bob Knight. Which one is going to be more impressive? And that was the first time I ever thought about it. And I was like, he was like, now go back to your room think about this and, I, and come back uh i'll meet you tomorrow at my office and of course though every time like i, I come home for a christmas break uh spring break thanksgiving pat graham todd Larry, all those guys were like man you got to come back here man just you know come play with us you know and so i had all my buddies there and you know i thought about it i was like shit i'm not gonna uh, yeah. You know, one, I knew I wasn't good enough to go there. I mean, I needed, I was good enough to go to a mid-major school. But then I started thinking, huh, they're going to be good. So maybe I, I'll still get some playing time if they're good, but I get to be with my buddies. Plus, I get to play for my dad. And it's Indiana where I grew up. And so I went into, I went in the next day and uh, told my prep school coach. He canceled all my visits. And my dad was really good. I called my dad because he'd been telling me all, all year, hey, I want you to come here if you want. And I said, like, Dad, I made up my mind. I want to come. And he, he actually was like, Pat, if you still want to take your visits. And I think I'm the only guy he allowed that. He, right. <laughs> and he was being nice. And uh, I was like, no, Dad, I'm good. He's like, you sure? You know, you only get to do this one. And I'd already visited Creighton the year before. And that was funny, too, because my dad was not involved in any of the recruiting process. The home visit is my mom, my brother, and a family friend because I thought my dad would be too intimidated. Oh, how terrified would that other coach be? Oh, that's what I meant. I mean, he'd be too intimidating, that other coach. And, uh, um, but so, uh, well, and that's a great story. So when I come back from Creighton, I commit. I'm in Assembly Hall shooting by myself. Here comes Coach Rebound for me. And, hey, how'd your visit go? I was like, Dad, it's great. I committed there. And he's like, you did what? I was like, <laughs> and I'm cleaning it up a little bit. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so long, long story, long story short. I get told I'm going to prep school. So now I get back home. The crate assistant that recruited me calls me up and says, hey, we're faxing uh, your scholarship over to Bloomington North tomorrow for you can sign it. Uh, uh -oh. Coach Fick, uh, there's been a change of plans. So he chews me out. So I get chewed out by two coaches within two hours for not going to Creighton, and I had nothing to do with it. So that was my dad's going to Creighton. But now at prep school, and so my dad was great, and so I ended up. You know, that's how I ended up in Indiana. Is really my my coach, Coach Tilton, kind of looking at the long, the long range game of it. You know, 
it's going to mean more for you by being part of that family and the tradition and everything. And he's the one that really changed my mind because I probably really was going to end up at the University of Colorado. Wow. I, I want to go back to one thing, Pat, and we do not need to belabor this at all. But clearly, Coach Dockett, who you brought up, ha- has been – we don't need to get into all the things he has said. Obviously, it's it's negative stuff. And he's been doing it for a while, and I'm sure you've heard enough of it and probably more of it than you ever want to hear. But here you are telling a story in the face of all that, and you're referring to him as Coach Dockich, like the the sign of respect to call him Coach Dockich. I guess my question to you is, you're a 16-year-old kid. You're playing every day with this guy. You obviously built a relationship with him. Does it hurt you to hear what he says about your dad and your family? It, you know, really, no. I'm. It's weird to say, you know, and I'm not trying to be a hard ass or anything. It's more... It disappoints you more, but I man, it's part of it. I mean, I've had people on my ass. You know, hell, I got booed my senior year. The faculty was on my ass my senior year, booing me, and I mean, made my mom cry, my girlfriend time and time. I remember when my senior night, people were begging me not to tell off the crowd, which is the faculty. And thank God, it's spring break; they were all gone. So it's just all the regular fans and students, and there was no no bullshit. And uh, so you just gotta have a thick skin, and it comes with it i mean they're going to be haters and that's how i look at it and it's just part of it and you kind of you know to me you know i it's never bothered me and, and uh but i tell that story because it's the truth and, and uh just because he may think different of me that's not going to change my mind he helped me for two years become you know a division one player wow and, and uh so i don't forget that stuff you know it's not I don't, you know, to me, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it's also being raised by my dad and being in the park. You know, I can't worry about the stuff I, you know, I can't control. But I'm not going to sit here and badmouth a guy just because he badmouths me when the guy actually helped me out. And, well, and uh, so that's the truth, you know. And we, we had a great relationship then, and I wouldn't trade, trade those couple of years just uh, working out with him. Uh, uh, for anything, but that's how it happened. You know, my dad got tired of me wasting my talent. And so, uh, that's how I became a player, you know, able to go, uh, you know, to have a scholarship someplace. Well, you do have a scholarship at Indiana university. So now you're going into your childhood playground as a player. How does the dynamic change for you with your father and, you know, just with you and your, your relationship to, to, now being a student at Indiana University? Well, I didn't go to class for the first two weeks. Uh, Damon Bailey and I thought college was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> we, don't go to, we, we, don't, we don't go to class for two weeks. The first two, I mean, we, I, I haven't even bought my books yet. And we think this is the great. The best was there was a guy that owned Aristotle's bookstore, Mr. Balgaris. Sure. And, and I grew up with Jeff. We were best friends growing up. Mr. Balgaris used to get the biggest kick. He would save, you know, he'd get the athletic list. He'd always save my books because he knew I'd always be late, late getting them. But so I'm a freshman. David's a freshman. We're living in a house together with two of our high school buddies. We think college is the greatest thing. We sleep till about 11 every day, get up, eat, go in, uh, lift weights, and play basketball. So we're sitting on a Monday night football, and my brother comes, buys us some pizza, and we're watching 
uh, and I remember one of the teams was the Steelers for some reason. We're sitting there, and my brother's, hey, how's college going? Oh, this is great, man. We, we never go to class. We get notes from these girls, and we don't ever have to go to class. And we haven't been in class yet. And my brother's like, you two idiots. He's like, do you understand that coach gets a two-week report on all the players on attendance? <laughs> We're like, what? <laughs> man, Dave and I shared this huge room together. All of a sudden, the phone rings like it's 6 in the morning. And, you know, it's the old uh, phone message deal. Uh, Pat Damon, this is Marianne. This was Coach's secretary. Uh, Coach would like to see you guys in the office right now. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I didn't. That was the last time Dave and I ever missed class. We, <laughs> we, we go in there. He was like, you go downstairs and see Frank. Frank Frank's our – was our strength coach. Oh my God! We we I don't know how many times we threw up, dry heat. I mean, it was brutal, man, brutal. But I mean, my dumbass. I mean, I should know, but I grew up in the yeah. program. I'm not even going to class. And, oh my God! But Co- I mean, coaching even got us. We walk in. He was like, he has these cards laying on the <laughs> on the front of the desk. And uh, what we take? So we took twelve hours. So. Each guy, so there's four classes each. So he's got eight cards, four on me, four on Damon. And right on the top, attendance, has not attended, has not attended, has not attended. All the way down, all eight cards. <laughs> well, my dog looks at us like, well, that's enough said. Get your asses down in the weight room right now. Oh, my. I think it was five straight days of hell. And uh, we had no problem attending class after that. <laughs> A lot so, easier. Pat, uh, look, we we would be remiss to not talk about a little bit of the other freshmen that came in with you who you have been talking about, Mr. Damon Bailey. What was your relationship with Damon before uh, before joining him in that recruiting class? I got to know him. We played him, I think my, my eighth grade year, we played him when he was in seventh grade. He actually played on the eighth grade team. And that was when the season on the brink stuff came out right. and you started hearing about Damon. And so... You know, I'd see him at AU events and everything, and we just became friends. And then as we got older, started playing together when we were juniors and seniors. And so we hit it off. And so we decided – so when I went to prep school for the year, that put us in the class together. And so we, we, we call each other all the time, and and uh, we just uh, decided we wanted to room together. And then really room together our first year because we decided we see each other every day that we both wanted to live with somebody that wasn't a player. and But we still, I mean, we still were thicker and things. I mean, I went to his place all the time. He went to mine. But, so we only lived together that first year in that house. And uh, I'm telling you, that, that kid, I felt, I felt so much sorry for him because he had so much pressure on him. And nothing was ever good enough, hmm. I think, for a lot of the fans. And that kid had an outstanding college career. Totally. I mean, and, and I just always felt bad for him because those people from Bedford, uh, he had some great guys, these older guys that come up and, and hang out with us on the weekends and stuff, but they just lived through the kid, man. I mean, he was it and nothing. He couldn't ever score enough. He couldn't do anything enough. And I always felt bad. Like, honest, honestly, and I hate to say this, it probably would have been best for him to go far away. Hmm. You know, to get away from that pressure. No one knows there's a pressure that kid. That kid was under extreme pressure from everybody in that town. And he handled it unbelievable. I mean, he had no problem playing for my dad. I mean, 
no problem. I mean, never got down. I mean, you could, but God, but then from a player standpoint, he was a freaking stud, man. You could put him uh, inside. We had the triangle. He could post anybody up. I mean, he was country strong, man. I mean, that kid, <laughs> I mean, shit. I mean, I mean, you know, you could just see him bailing hay out of the barn, you know, just one hand, you know, no pitchfork, just grabbing those things with his claw, you know. He was like he was like Paul Bunyan. I mean, that's how strong. I mean, he was a. I mean, no one knows how strong he was. And he was, you know, he could shoot it, uh, drive, but he was powerful inside. And I never thought he got the credit for his college career. If there's anybody else, I mean, people could talk about he's one of the greatest of all time. I, I could not agree more. I mean, this is a guy, we have not had the pleasure of having him on the, the show, but when you go back and actually look at his numbers, he did everything you can do in the game of basketball. He, Like you said, he shot it, he rebounded it, he passed it, he stole it, he didn't turn it over, he shot a high percentage, both from three, from the field, and from free throws. He did everything. I mean, it, it's rare to have a player who does everything well. Yeah, and he won, you know, and, and uh, it's just uh, the expectations were just ridiculous for the kid, and that's one kid uh, I feel guy doesn't get the his uh, his due. I mean, he was he was a phenomenal player. I mean, one of the, the best I you know I've been around. And then as a kid, as a friend, he was the best man. I mean, we and we had more good times together than you know I can count. And then uh, uh, you know he he, he was like. He was he was good for me because he was like you know I had a lot of devils on my shoulder. He was the one guy that'd be like PK, come on man. I mean he he he, he I don't go into detail, but yeah he helped me out a lot. He got he, he kept me out of some, some trouble. But I made trust me, I made him shake his head more more than once at some of my <laughs> antics. But I wouldn't trade you know living with him or having him as a friend or teammate. But for anything, but I it always bothered me though because I was there. I saw it. And I know what was going on with the poor kid, and uh, he was a hell of a player, man. And that's all people need to remember him for. And uh, but uh, I just never seen anybody have so much expectations at a young age. I I want to ask this, and I'm going to try to ask it delicately. Uh, you talked a little bit about you're a little wild in high school before you got your stuff together. You come in. Well, your... I well, I was still wild in college. <laughs> there you Hell, go. I got kicked off. I got kicked off the team. I mean, shit. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted. I want to ask about your six foot six. Let's be honest. You're a good looking guy, Pat. Your best friend here is Damon Bailey, who's superstar galore. Not bad looking either. He's a good looking kid. So you're going to get some trouble because we both had girlfriends. So. <laughs> <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on. And Damon married his girlfriend, so. Uh, I can't speak on Damon's behalf, but uh, I'll speak on my behalf because I didn't meet my wife till after I left there. So yeah, there uh, we go. No, there's no problem. I, I'll just say I wasn't a very good boyfriend. <laughs> I was I just gonna say. Thought, I mean, I'll you've got say, the world in front of you. You're at Indiana University, <laughs> the best-looking women in the world, and you're the you're a Indiana basketball player. I mean, my God, you had to have fun in college. Oh yeah, man. That's why I said. Oh yeah, I'm not denying. I mean, I, I, I had a blast. I love India. That's why I said, you know, shoot. Uh, and I admit, you know, I should have been there as a player. I, you know, it was above me. But, uh, but 
I, I had it, but off the court, I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just say that. I mean, and, and uh, uh, you know, and a lot of people know. And I were, you know, there's some things you don't remember. I mean, I, I oh, guess there's a say, lot from college I don't remember, Pat. <laughs> well, you know, you know the old saying: if you did it right, you don't remember. You got somebody else tell you. About it. <laughs> Well, let's get into let's get into a lot of what did go right for the yeah. basketball team. Let's let's look at this team you walked into. This is one like my favorite all-time team, you know, over this next, you know, your span of time. That's those are my teams. I'm a few years younger. You were the guys I was growing up watching. What was it like for you as a freshman coming in and obviously you'd been exposed to them a lot more than a normal high school senior, but when you're now on the court with Calbert Chaney, Eric Anderson, Matt Nover, like w- what was it like to uh, adjust to those guys uh, with your own game? Well, I mean, you know, I kind of knew going in, like my dad was honest with me, you know, it, your job is going to be to be on the white team and make these guys better, you know, and eventually hopefully by your senior year, you'll, you'll get some playing time, but along the way, you know, if we have good teams, you get, so I didn't go in there with delusions of grandeur. I knew that I wasn't going to play much, but I took pride in being a good role player. And like, I, I never get my dad called me. He's like, your job's a guard talent team. Wow. And he was like, you, but your job when guarding them, you, I want you because athletically, there's no way I can just guard Cal. He was like, you, you, I want you to hold him, hit him, claw him, do everything you can to him. That's your job. So for the next uh, three years, I mean, I'm guarding Calvert every day. I bet he had to change, get a brand new uh, practice top once a week. I mean, I, I ripped his jersey. I mean, I held. I mean, his arms just had scratches. I mean, that was my job. Calvert would actually get on me. If I wasn't holding them enough. Wow. And so that was my going in. I kind of knew. And then my job was, I thought, to, I know how, you know, I knew how my dad was and to help guys understand what he was trying to do. And I think they trust me. My whole deal was, I just wanted to be a good teammate. A guy that worked his ass off in practice, they could trust. I knew what my dad was trying to get out of him. So if somebody got down, I could talk to him, you know, don't take this stuff personal. And I think if anyone told you, to me, it wasn't about my stats. It was about what kind of teammate I was. And uh, and that's what I took pride in. And the great thing was I substituted for Calvert his senior night, and I got a picture of him and I hugging. And mm-hmm. I actually had him autograph it for me. And he actually, and I have it still. And he wrote to the man that helped make me famous. Wow. For wow. guarding him for three years. And so that's my job. So now I get in there. I'm just working my ass off to survive. And then another thing I thought I could help, I worked, I mean, you can ask Ryan Carr, uh, my boss at Pace, no one shot more or worked extra more than I did, even though I knew I wasn't going to get to play. But I figured, okay, if, it, they, if all these guys see the coach's son, who's really not getting much time, is in there busting his ass, we better get our asses in there and work. And there wasn't a day that I came in that, uh, I mean, Calvert would call me. I'd say, hey, PK, what time are you coming in tomorrow? He'd be there right with me. And so that, to me, people have never asked me, never told me, I'm sure some, oh, he went there. No, I didn't I didn't go there thinking. I knew I wasn't going to play. If I wanted to play, you know, I'd have gone to Creighton. I'd have gone to Colorado, you know, a lesser basketball program. But I knew my job was to go in there 
and just bust my ass in that white team and make these guys better. And and now I talk from a player standpoint. I look back now. I've been in coaching and basketball my whole life. We had some. We had a great team. I'm talking about just not just player wise, but from a personality standpoint, everyone got along. Everyone hung out. Everyone. We did a lot of stuff together. I mean, they, you know, some guys didn't, didn't like to party, and, and you know, there's those of us who did, but we still hung out together. There weren't. There was no clicks. No, it was just everybody got along. I look back, and I got a picture of uh, our '93 team, Calvert senior year, and it amazed me. And the team before, the year before was probably actually better because they, you know, with Eric Anderson. Right. But just the guys, man. The, I mean, the different players. I look through each player, you know, and his strengths and his weaknesses. I look back now as a coach. We had great players, perfect role players in every spot. No one complained about playing time. It was like everything clicked uh, with those teams. Well, Pat, we have had the pleasure of talking to several people that were your teammates. We've talked to Calbert. We've talked to Matt Nover. We've talked to Pat Graham. Am I missing somebody? Todd Leary. Todd Leary. And to a man, when we ask them about you, the first thing they say is the best teammate you could have. They oh, we have they say that. <laughs> they 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 just they loved playing with you and they all recognized even though you're talking about it like it wasn't a big deal, they all recognized while Damon had a certain kind of pressure on him. You had a different kind of pressure, a unique pressure. And the way that you handled yourself by working your ass off, they all recognized that. It was meaningful to them. So uh, the fact, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the son of Bob Knight, one of the smartest human beings that's ever walked, would have the presence to know how to handle that role. But you did it, and it just makes me realize so much more about everybody on a team of basketball has a role. And you yeah. should attack that role with everything you have. And I think some kids today, they don't recognize that. They all want to be the star. And if they're not the star, they don't know how to deal with it. No. And, and, and I had changed drastically. I was leading score in high school, prep school, and then I get here and play at this level. I actually gained 50 pounds. I came in at 175. And by my, uh, after my freshman year, I was, I was at 225. Because I knew I had to totally change my game. I had to become a screener, a rebounder, and a banger. And to even, even when I got in the game, and then I had to change my whole philosophy about practice. But I took it as pride because I grew up wanting to be in this situation. And But so many kids have a hard time, you know, if I'm not the man. And right. that's why our team didn't have any of that problem. Now, it changed drastically my last couple of years. Different guys were coming in and, it won the same field, but those first three years, I'm telling you, you couldn't ask for a tighter group of guys, and everybody was happy if a guy did well. It wasn't like, you know, you have guys sitting there praying that a guy screws up so they can get in the game, and we had none of that. I mean, it was uh, it was kind of special. I look back at those teams now as I've gotten older, and just everything we went through, and nobody, man, this stuff today, the, uh, I mean, you can't yell at kids anymore, you can't I mean, we had no soft guys. Everybody, I mean, you could coach guys then. I mean, nobody got down the dumps. I mean, nobody. I mean, my God, we were just there to play and uh, play for play for my dad. And there's just no BS. You know, it's changed so much. But I look back at those teams, and that's what's so great coming back yesterday, seeing some of those guys. It's just like 
holy cow, man, we don't realize how special and how good we have it, had it until, you know, you, you get out of there. Sure. I wonder if it was a, a conversation you had to have with yourself, and maybe it was when you were making that, well, or that decision was made for you not to go to Creighton and to go to IU instead, where as somebody who's never very good at basketball, that's me, um, I think it was the idea of, of saying, I'm going to go play for this absolutely loaded roster and know that the joy and the satisfaction from this game is no longer necessarily or primarily going to come from playing in front of a crowd and and scoring the points and being the hero in the locker room after the game, after a big victory. Did you realize that it was going to be able to be on the bench and watching Calvert Chaney become the all-time leading Big Ten scorer, that that's where the joy and the satisfaction was going to come? Is that how you were able to subjugate your ego and and accept yeah. being a role? I was part of those great teams. I don't care what anyone said. I was part I, I practiced every single day. And practice is a lot harder. <laughs> Playing for Bob Knight, practice is a lot <laughs> harder than a game. And so for me personally, you know, and I was there five years. I registered my second year. And Pat Graham, Brian Evans, and I together. And that's where I took the pride and the ego, just being part of that group. And, and you know how it is, too, when you get older, all of a sudden, people forget you actually become a pretty good player people don't remember you're just part of those teams and so you know <laughs> but just the teammates i was around and the type of players you were you know i wasn't gonna get that anywhere else i mean i used to run up running behind calvert in the layup line and i mean this guy was just a stud and i, I had to fly i just had dinner with him uh right before christmas he's coaching the g league and they have a g league showcase out here in vegas and we just re- reminisced about those days you know oh, that's just, great the, the team we had, the players we had. I mean, we, I mean it was great. You now, know, the whole experience. Next time when you have one of those dinners, just hit record on the phone, send it to us, <laughs> and we're going to post it, okay? <laughs> so, Pat, when you said you gained the 50 pounds, I'm wondering how much of that was just hard work and how much of it was Pizza Express, Mother Bear's, Buffaloes? No, no it was Sustacow. They had this nasty drink. Honest <laughs> guy came in a tin can, about about eight ounce tin can. Tim Garl had it loaded in the fridge. It came in chocolate and vanilla. It was six, I think each can, honest to God, was like 600 calories. Oh, and I actually geez. said on this can, do not drink more than one a day. <laughs> I drank I drank six a day. Oh, so shit. I packed, like, my, my, my road trip, because we had these big red bags we'd take on the road. It weighed like 50 pounds. It's still <laughs> full of Sussacow. So, so I had, so I weighed 175 pounds. They measured me. I have a uh, 37 inch vertical, uh, like 7% body fat. At the end of that year, I, I weighed 225 pounds, <laughs> have 20% body fat, and have, a, have an 18 inch vertical. <laughs> so, I have worked my ass off all summer long. With Frank or Franco, and I get it down to 220, 9% body fat. Still got an 18 inch vertical though, <laughs> but but it, but enabled me to take all you know to be physical practice, you know, to bang guys. And then when I did get in the game, man, I could you know I, I knew what I was in there for: or screen and go grab a rebound. And so I had to change the whole type of player I was, my body, just really to survive. Wow, I, I want to go back real quick because I I forgot to ask this and I wanted to. When you're playing at Bloomington North, 
and your dad undoubtedly came to some of those games. Oh, yeah. What was it like in the gym at Bloomington North or any road game you played when you're playing the game, but Bob Knight is in the stands? Well, you could tell, you know, but he was so great about it. He would sit high up. He he didn't make a scene. He'd sneak in, sit high up. And, you know, people, you could see people coming up to him. uh, But I knew people would play harder against me and all all that stuff that comes with it. Coaches saying stuff. And I, but he was great, man. He did not cause a scene, sit up high. My baseball games, he would actually stand out by the outfield fence and never said a word during the games. He would always talk to me after my games. And so he wasn't one of those crazy parents, you know, hmm. yeah, about. But he always, and he, every time, he went to every game when he was home. The only time he ever missed any of my games if he had, if he had a, a road game. And so from a parent's standpoint, he was unbelievable. Watching all my games, but doing it the right way, where of course now overseas the wrong way, unfortunately, for a lot of these parents. But uh never caused a scene. He was just there to watch me play. And uh um and then, you know, he talked to me that night or the next day about, you know, what what I needed to work on or, or what I did well. But uh, I always appreciated that because it could have been the opposite way. He could have sat right there in front, everyone sees him, call calls it a scene, but he never did that well, when I was growing up. One thing we've talked to several players about lately, and we witnessed it again on Saturday, and we we felt it when he walked into the Bluebird, and what we've heard time and again is your father has this presence. When he walks into a room, people can just feel it. The room turns, turns towards him. It's his room. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And look, and he's spent his whole life being around men who are as physically large as him or larger as his son are you aware of that awesome aura he has or is it just hey dad no well for me it's hey dad i mean we got a different relationship i mean come on i mean said we you know growing up high school playing for him assistant with him so i don't really do but if i see it with other people when we walk in a restaurant even now i mean when we're walking in restaurants in Bloomington, you know, everyone, you know, talking underneath their breath and, and you know, traveling with them is a treat. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy the stuff, uh, you know, you see. And uh, But to me, he doesn't have a friend. He's, he's my dad, you know, but you, but I see it when we go out and you feel it. And, and uh, But like we talked, man, you're talking about a handful of guys can say they have that presence, you know, of these Lombardi-type guys and, and uh, even the negative people. We can't deny that, man. I mean, right. So because it's it's not about fame. It's not about walking into the room and people recognizing you. It's it's an energy that we just you know we keep hearing about that. It's it is when he's around other famous people, they gravitate towards him. Yes, you know it's like hey, someone come off the court, you know, yesterday and we're all back there in the back and. And uh, he's messing around after with uh, Isaiah Thomas and uh, Jim Thomas and Tony Brown. And so, so finally he comes in, he sits down, he, he's over on the couch, and I'm over in the corner. All of a sudden he comes walking towards me. And uh, I just hear him, and he's like, yeah, Mr. President, you know, is there any way, you know, it would be an honor for you to say hello to my son? And I'm like, what the hell? He hears me the phone, Donald Trump. Is on the phone. I talked to Donald. I talked to Donald Trump on Saturday. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, just backing up. Right after Coach got off the court uh, doing halftime, Donald Trump called him. President Trump called him. Called him. 
on his own phone. But the phone, the phone rings, and my dad hands it to my wife. He's like, "Hey, Amanda, I don't know who the hell this is. Answer this for me." So my wife looks at the phone. My wife looks at the phone, and she she grew up in the D.C. area, so it's a D.C. area code, then it's all zeros. So she's like, so she's there, she's like, "Hello," and she's like, "It's not a secretary, nobody. It's uh, hello, it's Coach right there." And she's like. Uh, yeah, Mass is calling. Oh, President Trump. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, pardon me. He's like, yes, this is this is Donald Trump. So my, she just hands it to my dad. So then he comes over, hands it to me, and um, you know, um, yes, Mr. Mr. President, Patrick, what a great day for you and your dad and and the family. And, you know, I, I mean, he was old, and, you know. How old are you? I'm 49. You know, I played for my dad and worked for him. Oh, I know that. And, you know, we tore it up. We kicked ass when we were in Indiana and all those states together. And, and you know, I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, and, and I was, well, Mr. President, you know, keep, keep, keep giving him all, Mr. President. You know, and best. I appreciate it, but you look after him. You know, he's a good man. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I had to go back to my dad. And he's, hey, Mr. President, I'm glad you called. You know, I appreciate it. Appreciate you, and I was it. Yeah, who else gets a call like that? He'd watch no the, he'd watch the the deal. Was so so happy for my dad. He he gets a call. And I don't care. You know, even happy. Well, I don't like Donald Trump, but I don't give a shit. I mean, not, no one gets the president like that to call him. You know, I mean, and uh, that's just the presence, man. I mean, it's unbelievable. That and, is and, uh, crazy. So. We're back back to your freshman year. You're busting your ass in practice. You're helping Calbert Chaney become famous. You're helping this team become incredible. You guys go through an incredible year. You finish 27-4 and four, uh, at the end of the, the, the regular season. Uh, and you win the Big Ten, which we have all been told was just so meaningful to your dad every year to win the Big Ten. How you grew up around this program. You grew up with the 76 undefeated team, the 81 championship championship team, the 87 championship team. You've seen Big Ten titles, but now you're part of a winning team. Pat, what does that feel like? Well, it's huge because there's always a, a pressure, and Alford can tell you about it. Every class that comes through there wins a Big Ten championship. And Steve was about to be the first one not to do it. And then they won it his senior year. So that Big Ten championship is huge. And uh, always has been to my dad. I mean, this is a kid talking about the conference championship. And so for us, we got, the, the, you know, the monkey off our back early. Right. You know, because people are saying that's a pressure. I mean, people talk about, I mean, Big Ten championships are big uh, to the fans and my dad and everybody. So, from that standpoint, for us, oh, oh wow, we fight. And plus, you know, that team the year before had had a losing record in the Big Ten. Right. And so now they bounce back because they were all freshmen. Just, you know, so that was huge from, from a team standpoint, being around those guys that, hey, you know, we got it done. But then you can start saying, man, Greg Graham and, and he's got, you know, Power, Nova's kind of. He, I mean, these guys are starting to uh, come together, and they're young. That was the thing. They're young, you know, and, and we're going to have a chance to be pretty good for, you know, for a while. And that was the start of it because that was a tough year the year before when I was at prep school. You know, I'm talking to those guys on, on the phone, and, and uh, 
you know, they're getting beat up, but they're all freshmen. You know, they got thrown in the wolves, and that year really hardened them, and it was a totally different group of guys my freshman year. I mean, they 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 were ready to, you know, start beating some people. So well, as as you roll into your, your sophomore year, what went into the decision to, to redshirt? I was told I was going to redshirt from the beginning. Like, people don't understand this. I knew the whole deal going in. And so my so, dad so was wait, like, you're going to – you knew going in as a freshman that after your freshman year you would you would then redshirt. Yeah, well, he told me when I signed the uh, signed the scholarship. Huh. And so he and he wanted me to play my first year to see how tough it was, what I needed to work on, and then I would know when I redshirted my sophomore year all the stuff I had to work on. So I, I knew before I even arrived at IU that I was going to redshirt my sophomore year. And so uh, Pat Graham. Brian Evans and I were the red shirts, and I mean, it was great. We played one-on-one. Every time the team left, uh, they had, uh, they had, we had to go in there and work out together. And uh, they'd put, uh, like, a GA in charge of us. And so we were together, the three of us, all season long with that team. And then practicing uh, against those guys uh, – um, all year long, but those are the two guys I redshirted with. But I knew going ahead of time I was going to redshirt, and then Pat Graham had a redshirt because of his foot. And of course, they told Brian Evans before he got there he'd redshirt his freshman because Brian was like a stick, you know. <laughs> and uh, but boy, he could shoot. I mean, how he's like my ass. I I have to play one on one possibly against two of the greatest outside jump shooters in Indiana history. <laughs> I barely won a freaking game all year one on one, and the losers always had to run and do laughs and shit. And so uh, I probably could have gotten a track a track scholarship after that year, guarding those two guys. And, uh, but but uh, so we redshirted together, and uh, man, you know we're 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 practice. We just didn't travel with the team. We had to stay back and work on our game. Uh, the other player that joins that class is Alan Henderson and Todd Lindemann, for that matter. But talking about Alan, how good was Alan Henderson? Oh, I mean, big. You know, everything came down. You know, where's Lynn Robinson and Alan going to go? And and I was buddies uh, with, with with Glenn Robinson, but the fit was much better for Alan to come to Indiana. His overall game, you know. He could shoot it from outside. He could post you up. He rebounded. He he uh, uh, could play defense. And he's another guy I think gets kind of overlooked because he wasn't flashy. Right. You know, he, he was uh, um, just a solid player. And he's another guy I think that should get more credit. I mean, he, I mean, he was a stud for four years. So was Bailey. Most guys get a couple years. You know, you talk about their junior senior year, but these guys from the get-go, you know, started – and and uh, put up numbers. I think if they hadn't been paired up on the same team with Calbert Cheney, you know, th- there would have been oh, no shit. way you could be overshadowed. But Calbert, being one of the all-time great yeah. college basketball players, and you know, having the trophies that go with that his senior year. But that being said, in all the conversations we've had, both with guests on this show and with fans. Allen and Damon, I feel at this point, are getting their just due. That here 25, 30 years later, everybody's like, yeah. wow, that whole team was loaded. Oh, it's, it's, I, got, I had a tape when we beat the Fab. We were 4-1 against the Fab Five. I know. Uh, you owned <laughs> and, them. And, and I got a tape when we played them up there and beat them. And, and uh, uh, it was a, a great grand really screwed me, by the way, in that game. Uh, 
coach that year decided I would go in for Calvert. He wanted a nine-man rotation, so I was a ninth man. So it was like a pro game. You, you're going to go in for Calvert every first half, the last three minutes, because of foul, foul trouble, you know, to make sure you don't get in foul trouble. So we're up at – we're playing a Fab Five tight game, national TV. So I, there's a timeout. My dad's like, hey, Pat, go get Calvert. There's like two minutes left. So we sit down, and so they had a shooter. I think it was like Bosfield or somebody like that. Like, Pat, you got the shooter? You're not switching to anybody. He's like, everybody, you understand? Pat is staying on the shooter. He is not switching to anybody. So we get out there. Freaking Greg Graham's guarding Jalen Rose. They run a a uh, cross. Greg switches. Oh. Now I'm on Jalen Rose. <laughs> Jay, so Jalen Rose looks up and sees me. His eyes got as big as soft. <laughs> he calls for a clear out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, if, I was like, I am not getting my ass chewed out because Greg made this switch. Thank God he missed the pull-up jump shot, man. <laughs> no, no, so no. That's my fact. No, no, so, no. So I, he didn't miss it. You shut him down. <laughs> that's on, right. Pat. That's right. Man. What are you I, talking I, about? I, I was in I was in the jail, man. But I never looked on his face. He looked, and all of a sudden, he's like, he's not just that. He's like, clear out, everybody. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but going back to that second year, though, no, those guys just started – you know, we won the Big Ten year before. Eric Anderson's a senior. You know, and another guy gets not enough credit. Jamal Meeks was a hell of a player. Tough, you know, tough, son tough, of a bitch. defended, passed the ball, won the score, but he was a hell a great leader on the court and in the locker room. How uh, how funny of a guy is Todd Leary? You know, uh, Todd and I were tight, and we had you know it's so good to see him because you know. When all that stuff went down, we got fired. You know, Todd was always vocal. He got on that bandwagon against my dad. And, you know, we had some words exchanged. And so I hadn't seen Todd in 20 years. So he's, he's coming up to me at the deal. And I just hugged him, man. I was like, dude, we had too many good times to let, you know, a few bad things, uh, you know, ruin our friend. I mean, we're like brothers. And, I mean, that guy saved me from more stuff. I mean, we used to go to uh, sorority parties together and stuff. I can't tell you how much trouble that guy uh, saved me out of. Uh, and, you know, he was he was one – I mean, we were thicker and thieves in college and in, in high school. And, uh, you know, fun, great guy to be around. I mean, he's, one, you know, one of the teammates uh, that I enjoyed being around. And he didn't get enough credit either. He could handle the hell out of the ball. Hmm. Take, away his, take away his shooting. Everyone talks about Todd shooting. But – I felt more comfortable with him having the ball going against the press than anybody. I mean, if you go back and look at the tapes, he could handle the ball. I mean, not you know, he wasn't fancy. He wasn't going through the But he never lost the ball in the press. Mm-hmm. And that always cracked me up. And it's funny now, me looking at it, talking about my friends this way, but being, you know, coaching all these years, I look back and like, man, you know, that guy was really good at that. That guy was really good at that. And that was one thing Todd never got credit for. I mean, he was the one guy we wanted – to handle the ball all his career against the press. Wow. Well, you you did mention Jamal Meeks, and and to to speak to the leadership qualities and just the the human qualities of somebody we lost recently in Eric Anderson. What did he mean to such a young, hungry, talented team as far as a senior leader meant? Oh man, that was our guy, man. I, I started hanging out with Eric uh, um, in high school. 
and my senior he, he actually he and Matt Nover came to my senior game and uh when I was in high school and so I, I started hanging out with E uh before I even got there. I mean he was like my big brother and I mean but he was that way with everybody. The most even keel guy. I mean the coolest guy you can meet man. And, and I was fortunate enough actually when I moved out here to Vegas he I, I had a typical night man i think we're eating at ihop at five in the morning and uh my wife my, my, my wife was able to be with us and, and got to see you know some of the stuff i experienced you know with the guy i mean they wasn't a better human being or, or friend i mean that that hit all of us hard last year i mean that 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 sucked and we, but we we've gotten um we've had the pleasure of getting to know john stuckey a little bit former man oh Oh man, we the the three of us. Oh my god! Yeah, we me and, me and Stuck drove eating nuts because Stuck would take me on, and and I'd get him going. I mean, there. I mean, God, we used to drive Eric nuts. But oh man, uh, yeah. And that's when no one ever talks about the managers were just as big as part. I mean, Stucky. I mean, we're like brothers, man. I mean, I was in Stucky's wedding, uh, but the three of us, I was always at Stuck in his house. Uh, apartment in Jackson Heights. We we owned Jackson Heights, and uh, it was tough, man. Stuck will tell you, man. They want a better dude, man, and the most even kill. And it, I mean, he didn't get on your ass, you know. He wasn't a vocal guy. Just be like, come on, man. This is and and boy, he could play. And and uh, a guy his size. And the only thing that bothered me, I got because I'm in there all the time shooting extra, and he never came in. And I always got on him. If he would have had a better work ethic off the floor because it just came natural to him and then the only time i got on him he had a bad month bad month his last last year of the season so he's actually asking me when i'm coming in and work out and i'm like dude why haven't you been doing this for the last couple of years man and he's coming in working out when, I, when i'm shooting extra and then he had the greatest run in the ncaa tournament yes, he he's, MVP, he's mvp of the regionals and then i mean this is easy so each game he'd had a piece of gum to uh so if he had uh one piece the next thing two three four five it, it got up where he looked like he had a wad of tobacco in his mouth he was so superstitious but he was another guy i mean could shoot it rebound tough as nails man i mean that guy but he was so he laid back that you didn't think i'm being tough and i mean i mean he coach could coach him up and down i mean there was nothing bothered that guy and he was just he, i mean his nickname was easy and he was uh, <laughs> that, that that was that that was our guy man i mean for everybody i mean he he was a special part of my time there and uh i drove him nuts though man i was like his little brother god he used to get pissed at me sometimes <laughs> at part you know off the court you know some of the stuff i did but man i i, I mean i never loved the guy more and that's and it and i would have killed to have him uh, there yesterday or two days ago, and uh, but he got taken away from us way too quick. Yes, he did. So you're the the you redshirt that year. The team goes to the final four, gets screwed because of the referees against Duke. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what we say. We believe that. Yeah. No, and, shit, they did. I mean, that was brutal, man. It was. That was bad. Then Larry almost saved us. You know. Yes. Uh, those, but it was bad. I mean, they fell out. Eric Calvert. I mean, it was ridiculous. That, that whole thing. Was, four guys. Four. Four guys in the main rotation fall out. Four. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, was, no, you're right. I'm not. Yeah. And shit, I don't coach anymore. So I'm politically correct. We got. <laughs> we got. We got screwed. Man, man. Yes, we did. Now your red shirt's over. You're back for your sophomore year. 
on a team, like you said, maybe not as talented as the year before because Eric Anderson is not on this team. And Jamal left as well. But my God, one of the best teams and most fun teams to watch in Indiana University history. And we have to say we have to say here, Pat, this is my all time favorite Indiana team. Oh, it's mine. I mean, I, that's the picture I have in my office at home. I mean, uh, we. I mean, that team was c- as close as can be. Like, we go on the road. Everyone would be uh, in the room and uh, playing the game together. We'd either be playing spades, group of guys would be playing spades, and the other group would be playing Jenga. But everybody <laughs> was in that. Everybody was in that room. We had the whole team in one room, and you know, guys. Like, if we had a team party, guys that didn't really party, they'd still show up for an hour just, you know, hey, I'm part of the team. Wow. We went to the we went to the football games together. I mean, we did everything together. I mean, and, uh, yeah, that team. And then but when you talk from a basketball standpoint, Chris Reynolds, one of yes. the top defenders of all time. I mean, I, you know, couldn't shoot but could get to the basket, delivered the ball. You know, Calvert, All-American, the pull-up. You know, could shoot it from deep, one or two dribbles, pull up on a dime. Uh, uh, well, Brian Evans comes in his own the year before. I had somebody ask me uh, a couple of days ago, hey, when did you know Brian? I think it was Bob Hill. And he was like, when did you know Brian could play? I was like, we're redshirted. And it was like in February. And when Coach kept stats uh, during uh, the practice, he dropped 30 on the red team in a practice. <laughs> and you could just see the confidence in the kid right from that day on. He put up numbers in practice. And that's why right from the start of that next season with a really good team, he was in the rotation. And I saw it. And uh, I remember that practice. And everybody afterwards, like, uh, we call them B-Loves. Like, I remember Matt Lover, like, Jesus, B-Loves, you were killing it. And we looked at that. He had, like, 30, he dropped 30-32 on the red team. And that was it. After that, he had so much confidence in his shot and his play that, I mean, that next year, I mean, he really helped that team by coming off the bench. But those starters, and he got great grand, was defense player of the year, freak athlete, could do everything. Nover, great blue collar, you know, guy in the middle. You know, really, and then you got Allen, who's really talented. Nova played well off of him, and you know, Todd kind of Todd Larry come off the bench with the shooting and just be, being able to handle the ball. Uh, the guy I always felt bad for was Pat Graham, best shooter bar none ever been in Indiana. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Wow, I love I love Steve Alford, love him to death, but Pat Graham, I mean, fundamentally, and could just freaking stroke it and that damn foot if he didn't have that foot he would have been in the nba and he would have gone down as the best shooter i mean I, textbook jump shot i mean just the the best uh shooter you I, know i've seen i think it was when we talked to sharon sharon told us i think it was right that he said if pat didn't get injured he's like he's larry bird i mean he's like he sharon said he had never seen a player like pat graham and he could jump. He couldn't jump worth a shit off one foot, but he could dunk the hell out off two. It was right. the weirdest thing. But huh. I'm telling you, from a shooting standpoint, <laughs> being set, coming off screens, that's the one guy got robbed from from, from an injury. And uh, but when he was healthy, though, he he helped us win some uh, big games. And then you got Brian Evans that's coming in his own as a freshman. And you know that team, you know, 
God dang, I, I look back at it. You had every piece you needed, had a good bench. And then practice-wise, I mean, we went at it. Our, our white team would uh, – kick their ass a lot of time and we love that because coach would get all over them and kick them out of practice <laughs> and, uh, um, but oh but a uh, great story you guys would love is the year before when uh so we're at the uh we're gonna play ucla to go to the uh, final four so the day the day in between the two games we'd heard that ucla had like a two or three hour practice so we go to coach's room and Tim Garl's taping us all up and it was hilarious. He's like, who wants to practice today? Well, of course, me, Pat Graham and Brian Evans raised our hand because shit, that's our games, man. We want to get some shots. So we raise our hand. Everybody else does. And coach is like, guys, we're not practicing today. And everyone's like shocked. He's like, nope. Uh, we got to rest our legs. He was like, uh, I heard UCLA had a two, three hour practice. And we're, we're not doing it. So we didn't we didn't practice that day. We went back to our rooms, relaxed, rested. So we get to the game. We blow them out of the water. So now coach, it, it, there's like three seconds to go in the half. Coach calls timeout. We're up almost 20 already. So he's like, all right, everybody. Everyone's going to sprint past UCLA because they had that. I don't know if you guys have been to Albuquerque. They got that long tunnel and it tells you uh, how many feet above sea level and everything mm. you are. And so coach is like, all right, he gets, he's like, I want the managers, coaches, everybody. We're all going to sprint by UCLA up that tunnel and they'll just, they'll just, uh, uh, send them over the edge. So that's what we did. If you ever see the video, horn sounds, even coach, everyone sprints by UCLA. They already got their heads down and then they see us sprint by them, go all the way up that tunnel. Managers, everybody's in a full sprint right by them to get to the locker room. Oh, he's talking about a mind. Just, just, to, just mind fuck somebody. Yes, that, 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 that did it right there. Well, so. we we love this detail because it is. It's like what made your dad so brilliant, and and it's 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 to get very specific in this case psychological warfare elements of of how he just separated you guys from everybody else. Well, uh, see, I, I found out all the secrets. I peeked behind the curtain. Like in Oz, man, when I worked for him. Right. So, mm. I mean, there's a method to his madness, you know. I mean, I, I found out a lot. Of, I mean, I, I found out a lot of stuff, man, you know. But at the time, as a player, you don't know it. You just get pissed off and play harder, which, you know, which is a coach's job to do and, 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 and win. But, you know, I actually saw the, the uh, method to, to the madness, got to peek behind the curtain. But, uh, but, no, so that was the year before. But, no, that team, you know, Calvert senior year, I mean, and then if Alan Henderson doesn't get hurt, we win the national championship. No doubt. No, you're the best team in the country, and it was not close. And now you'd seen your dad, uh, I guess you were quite young at the time, but maybe you remember it or maybe you just re remember hearing the stories of Scott May breaking his arm in 75. When Alan gets hurt, is that something you, you think about, you worry about? Oh, or... yeah. Well, well, you hear about it because that's all everyone's thinking about. Here we go again. And it's just like the Scott May deal. And, yeah, we were worried. And uh, and we didn't play well, though, you know, again, that game against Kansas. But still, man, and we had Allen. I mean, everything was clicking. And, and the, the only game that, you know, we screwed up was Ohio State game. And what happened there was Calvert was getting bombarded. Calvert had, had a real bad game. And uh, – um, just and we really jumped Calvert's ass after the game. And, 
for not showing up. And Calvin kind of like broke down lockers. I mean, you know, about the pressure and everything. Well, he was having all these agents call his apartment, mm. bothering him and stuff. And that's the only time, man, I've gone to my dad about anything. We got back uh, off that road trip because we could have been the first team since the 76 team, man, to go undefeated in the yeah. Big Ten. And we wanted that stuff to happen. And so I actually went and told my dad, I was like, I know, I know what the problem was. And that's the only time ever, you know, because I kept that. I mean, he was coached the whole time I was there, but this had affected the team. And my dad called Calvert in his parents and had him change his number and said, let me deal with the agents. Don't you uh, deal with them anymore. I'll handle, handle, handle all that stuff. You change your number and just worry about playing. And there's never a problem after that. Wow. Well, that season obviously ends in a disappointing fashion. Uh, Allen just tried to go in that Kansas game, but clearly uh, could not. Only played a few minutes. Uh, you're now into your junior year. And I want to talk uh, – there's three new players coming to the team, Sharon Wilkerson, Richard Mandeville, and Robbie Eggers. But I want to focus on Sharon for a minute because we got a chance to talk to him. Ward brought him up earlier. Pat, what was your relationship with Sharon? Because the way Sharon explained you to us is he, he referred to you as like his guardian angel. Uh, uh, not, he, he, he's my guy, like – you know, I hired him at Lamar, you know, when I was there, and I wish we could have, you know, gotten through that. But Sherrell uh, was a perfect player for my dad, perfect temperament, everything. I mean, the guy was a beast, man. And and the honest truth is, you know, Sherrell got, you know, got into trouble off the court with his girlfriend. And I don't know if you guys remember, that was when all that Philip, I think, God, was the, the running back at Nebraska. Oh, Lawrence, Lawrence Phillips. Phillips. They were having all the problems with Phillips, and Osborne kept on bringing them back and finally had to kick him off the team because the guy kept on, you know, having problems with his girlfriend. And so at that time, that was a touchy deal. Anything happened domestically, uh, you couldn't mess with it. And so when Sharon got that happened with his girlfriend, and, she, and the sad thing is she ended up not pressing charges. Right. And But when it went down – it, it, honest God, it, it hurt my dad. My dad loved Sharon, and he had no choice. You know, he had to get rid of him because it was just how it was right then. All that crap happened with Phillips, and that was something those college, you know, college you couldn't mess with. And that was that, and I feel bad. That was Sharon's uh, downfall there, and, and uh, um, and it killed us, man. That kid was so good, man. I mean, uh, and. That freshman year, I mean, holy cow. I mean, he played his ass off. I mean, got, you know, had a great tournament until he broke his leg. And, and uh, he was perfect for my dad. Temperament, the, the body man. He's going to be – I mean, my dad thought he was going to be the next Bobby Wilkerson. That's how highly he thought of him. Wow, that's high a big praise. Guard, a big guard and great – I mean, I love that guy. Hell, he, he – when I was coaching in the IBA in Green Bay, he was the first guy I called. He was my starting guard on my on my team, and uh, but I man, it killed me when he got in trouble and uh, got, had to be let go of the team. And I just remember my dad, man, this kills me. But man, I got no choice. And Sean never, I mean, Sean admits it, you know. But then, you know, I end up nothing happened, but. You know, that's another, you know, I don't want to get into that. And, and uh, but yeah, that, that, that's what happened why he had to get let go. But sure. from a player standpoint, he was a great, great addition. You know, got along with all the players, 
tough as nails. And, well, I mean, he could defend. I mean, he'd pick up those guards full court and turn them. And, I mean, he was a perfect addition for us. But outside of basketball, because clearly, I mean, when you were the coach in the, in, in the IBA, you brought him in. But you, you did more for him in his life, bringing him on in the, on the staff at Lamar. What was it about him as a person that you saw that you wanted to continue to help? Because you really he's did a, help him. He's a good person. He did, you know, he screwed up. We all screwed up. Sure. I kicked off the team for drinking. I mean, we all do stupid shit. <laughs> but that means you're a bad person. And he, he, he wasn't a bad person. He's a great guy and a great teammate. And and uh, that's why I always wanted to help him. And, and uh, I mean, I, I, I still love the guy. I mean, shit. But uh, that, that's how, how I look at it. I mean, he was perfect, man. That, that, that's the only thing. It drives you nuts, boy. She could she could have made it uh, four years, man. Who, yeah, uh, he was perfect. Uh, and and he came back well. You know, he changed his game a little bit after that that leg injury, and became more of a jump shooter. And uh, what you know, one is athletic, but could still defend. You know, just not flying to the basket. I mean, because he you know he could dunk on anybody, but could still get to the basket. But it's not more you know layups, reverse layups. But he worked on his jump shot and became a huge threat, you know, uh, you know, out, out, outside from the rim. But that freshman year, though, I mean, he was he was a really good addition. Uh, I want to talk about something that happened in that 93-94 season, besides the fact that you made it to the Sweet 16. But the season starts in horrific fashion. Mm-hmm. And we've heard a lot from your teammates about this. You lose to Butler in-state. Oh. Loss to start the season. Brutal, man. Tell us about the aftermath of that game leading into Kentucky, number one in the country one week later. Well, one, they take, you know, we get get kicked out of the locker room, and then they take on, it's great. So, Coach, I want to order stuff out of the lockers. The managers are trying to be nice. They got all their shit folded up. They got all laid out in the hallway. You know, my stuff's here, then three feet, there's damage. You know, I got all nice. We know where our stuff is. Nah, man. Coach came out and saw that. That stuff got so mixed up. It took us three days to go through all the shit in the hallway to figure out whose was his. And, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, we, 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 we were in a lot of the locker room, no practice clothes practice our own stuff and we ran our ass in five. My dad never ran sprints. We did that in conditioning. He's like, I'm not a track coach, but man, we ran more suicides. Oh my God, man. I mean, we were, but then by the time the game came around, we're frothing at the mouth. We're not going to lose the next game. I don't care who it is. We're not going to lose this game. Well, and you didn't. And and no. it's funny you say it that way because I think Leary said to us, he's like, it's hard to explain the feeling, but we had no choice but to win the game. No, and that's all. But, and, you know, some people don't – that style of coach is not formed, but, man, that's coaching, man. I mean, that's getting guys to – because he was pissed. We weren't playing the way we should be. I mean, we shouldn't lose the butler. Right. And we got a little oh, – man, we got a little – Ahead of ourselves, big headed, and boy, he knocked us back down to reality. I mean, we were like animals, you know, going against Kentucky. I mean, Bailey was phenomenal. Yes, he was. And you beat the number one team in the country, Kentucky. Pat, you grew up 
Bob Knight's son, how good does it feel to beat number one Kentucky? That's always good to be Kentucky. Yeah. Always. Louisville, you know, being Louisville's great, but it's not Kentucky, man. Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky's Kentucky. So They're the worst. You grow up, I mean, growing up, Kentucky and Purdue, those are two teams. You know, if you're an Indiana boy, that's who, that's who you got to beat. That's who you got to beat. And, uh, yeah, that game, woo. But that week before, I mean, it's a, I can't say it. it sucked, man. Holy <laughs> cow, was that brutal, man. Brutal. Uh, so, you guys do end up having the kind of season we would kill for right now. You finish third in the Big Ten, you're number 18 in, in the rankings, and you get to the Sweet 16, but now you're going into your, your senior season. And and for you going into that, is there anything that he's in, even has to be spoken or as, as coach's son and a senior, are you like, okay, now now it's on me and the other guys, uh, you know, at my my stage to, to take over as the team leaders is there is that a conscious effort to now leave these young men uh in your final season with with what they need to to carry on what you guys had done for the previous three years yeah but we knew we knew we were screwed man i mean <laughs> we had so many young guys and and they just didn't get it they did not get it mm. and uh it was tough you know and it, it wasn't because they it wasn't because they were bad guys. They were just young kids. You know, I didn't get it. I mean, you know, Damon and I show up. We don't go to class for two weeks. You know, it's a kind of, you know, we're just young and dumb and naive. And so that's what our whole team is. So poor, poor Allen and I, and Allen's a good player. I'm a leader. And it was funny. My dad was so mad at uh, uh, Neil Reed and, and, and uh, that uh, he, he wouldn't start him. He was starting me. I started <laughs> like two games. So finally, before like the Notre Dame game, I wait for everybody to leave. I go up to my dad like, Dad, I can't start. I was like, You need to start Neil. He's a, he's a better player. I know you're you know you're mad because he's young, making mistakes. But I'm not. I shouldn't be starting. And so I actually took myself out of the starting lineup and told him, You got to start start Neil. I was like, It's on. I was like, It's only fair. I mean, I'm a bench player. And that's what. But he was so mad at those young guys, man. He, I started like two or three games, and I finally went to him. Was like, I'm not starting. It's not right, you know. I don't feel comfortable doing it because I don't deserve it. I was like, you gotta start these guys. But we worked. I, but we, I mean, we worked with those guys: Charlie Miller, Andre Patterson, who's one of the greatest human beings, and and we knew it was gonna be a long year because we're young. And, you know, we had our moments uh, when we won some games, but it was tough, man. It, it was, and it all came on Allen and I. Holy cow, man! Do you think it was I mean, even? even tougher, you know, and, and Brian's there too as a junior, but I'm looking down the rest of this roster and so many of these guys, which is a great juxtaposition of like the 92, 93 team who is like mostly from Indiana. And now all of a sudden, like this roster is filled with people from Florida, Louisiana, New York, Texas. Do you think it was even more of a lift to get these guys to understand and buy into the culture and what Indiana was all about because they didn't grow up with it like you guys did? Yeah, they understand. Hell, we almost got beat by athletes in action. <laughs> and and I, I'm a, I remember I had to score like the last two layups or something to beat athletes in action. And I walk in and part of my friends, I'm like, well, you motherfuckers understand we almost got beat by athletes in action. We're playing Kentucky in a week. I mean, how the hell are we going to beat Kentucky if we can't beat athletes in action? You know, 
and the young guys, you know, so some of them kind of grinning. I was like, this is serious shit, man. We don't lose here, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it was tough for Alan and I, man, to, uh, and Brian, you know, uh, but the seniors, it falls on the seniors, man. That's a great thing about playing for my dad, though. When you're a senior, you're the leaders. It doesn't matter. You can ask anything. It doesn't matter if, if you're the starter or the last man, you're still the leader. So you're going to catch, you're going to catch the, the shit if, uh, things aren't going well. And so, yeah, it was a rough year. And then I got put up with, uh, you know, some assholes up in the stands and stuff. And, and, uh, it wasn't a real fun year, man. I mm-hmm. mean, to be, to be honest with you. And, uh, it's kind of relief when it was, when it was over for us because it was tough. And, but we, we saw the talent in those guys. I mean, don't get mad. They had the talent, but it's just the maturity. And like you said, not, not growing up, knowing how important everything was, uh, growing up in that state and how serious basketball was. But that was a change, too. I kind of saw it. Uh, we had a little bit of it the year before, but it's when that Nike camp started mm. and the shoe camps. Right. Now these kids, man, they're getting their ass kissed all the time. I saw a huge change in the personalities those last couple of years mm. when guys would come in. It was just a different type of kid. And then it just prolongs. I got in coaching. I mean, the more all the AU stuff got up, I mean, God dang, the entitlement. And it's gotten to a point now the entitlement is just uh, crazy. But uh, those first three years, though, man, it was great, man. It, everybody was coachable treat everybody the same we just wanted to win and well, and, well, uh, one one win you did get this year that had to feel great was number three kansas who had rained oh on so God. many parades came to town and you guys thumped them how fun was that i had a great party at my house my my my, my prep school coaches were in town and my and a couple of my professors up from i mean because i went to prep school up in new hampshire they came in for that game that was the biggest relief because Kansas had our number. Yep. But Roy Williams came to our practices all the time. And I finally was like, Dad, we quit letting Roy Williams come our damn practice. <laughs> but, you know, that was my dad. You know, he always helped those younger coaches. But, no, I remember I had the ball towards the end. I just threw it up in the air. It was such a relief to finally beat them. And then I had a great time. You know, I was able to share it with uh, my prep school coaches and, and – uh, uh, so, some of my teachers were in town staying at my house. And, I mean, that was one huge win for us to get the monkey off of that. So, I, I wanted to ask one question uh, that we didn't talk about the year before. I think this is accurate. But the year before you had, from a team perspective, maybe the worst game that has ever ha- that happened in your career where you went to Minnesota and you lost by 50. I was Chevrolet player of the game. Yes, that's what I wanted to bring up. And that's what I wanted damn, to bring up. They put the damn score on the on the freaking flop. I gave it away. I got home and gave it to a buddy. I, mean, I don't like this. He's got the score. Do you remember your uh, box score that game? I think it was like eight points, five rebounds or something. <laughs> yeah, seven points, four rebounds. Three of 11 shooting, though, Pat. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Well, shit, I'm not supposed to shoot. It's not my fault. I'm a screener and passer. I mean, but so so that game, uh, Clem Haskins recruited me pretty hard. But I didn't, you know, there's no way I was going to go to another Big Ten school. So actually, my uh, one, uh, I think it was my senior year in high school when Minnesota came to play IU, I was a recruiting visitor from Minnesota in their locker room. So I'm in Assembly Hall hanging out in Minnesota's locker room because I'm one of their recruits. 
And so I'm in that game, and Coach Haskins, I come walking by, and he apologized to me. He's like, Pat, I'm sorry. I put everybody in. I was like, Coach, it's all right, man. I was like, it's not your fault. And I'll never forget at halftime, my dad was so mad at Bailey and those guys. He was like, you know what, Pat, it's you and four freshmen. Pick any four freshmen. You guys are playing the rest of the game. I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, that's how I got stuck with that deal. I gave that that plaque away, man. That is hilarious. So somebody out there there right now, do you think your buddy still has the Pat Knight Chevrolet Player of the Game plaque? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, man. That's but awesome. Put the score on it, man. Why would you put the score on that thing? <laughs> so, Pat, I would now like to talk to you about what I would consider the most touching moment in Assembly Hall I ever witnessed prior to Saturday, which was when your father introduced you and told the crowd in no uncertain terms that Patrick Knight was his all-time favorite Indiana player. What did that mean to you? Oh, it meant the, uh, I mean, every, I mean, that's one of the greatest moments, especially, you know, after my freshman, sophomore year, when I got in a little bit of trouble, he told me he actually, he actually hated me. But, uh, <laughs> he, it was a great line. I love you as a son, but right now I hate you. Uh, so to go from that to that, I mean, there's nothing better. And then what was great for me, it was spring break. So the people that were on my ass, the faculty, they were gone. It was just fans. I mean, and uh, I was emotional because I know this is, you know, this is the last time I'm going to play basketball. You know, I'm not going to play professional. I'm not going overseas. And that whole night was just uh, so wild. And, and, you know, and I remember exactly where I hit two jump shots. And then the, the great thing for me was my last play, I threw an alley-oop uh, to Allen Henderson. Oh. in the fast break. And right when I turn on my right, there's Mellencamp going ape shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. So as a kid, so as a kid, man, you know, you couldn't ask for anything more. Pat, you said it, I think, a couple times. Are you saying that there were members of the I, IU faculty that were giving you crap? Oh, man. My mom sat up in that section. She brings it up every time because she, she lived by some of them. Oh, yeah, man. They, they were booing my ass for, for the whole year. And I'm like, what the hell did I do? And, and, oh, man, my mom was livid that year. But she sat over in the faculty section because uh, she still got tickets to her divorce. And uh, it was great. It was spring break. So all those people were on uh, um, spring break. So they filled those seats up with regular fans. And shit, had no problem my senior night. But, no, it got so bad that, I mean, I had people from the university call me and be like, because they knew, you know, I can get a little off kilter. And they were worried that I was going to get on that microphone and just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, so, you know, it worked out. And that had a good senior night, so. Yes, you did a memorable one. It was such a, it was such a beautiful moment because everybody's watching for really five years uh, that relationship and you know wondering did it change anything? Did it do anything to father and son? And any thoughts that ever occurred to us uh, uh, of you guys having trouble as family was wiped away in a moment, and it was just something I'll never forget witnessing. Oh yeah, no, I mean it. Playing for him just, you know, brought us closer. And then, you know, working for him even more, you know, even more so. So, yeah, play. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. We've talked about it in the last couple of years. He's apologized to me for 
actually had me come to IU because of the pressure and everything. He actually told me, you know, I should let you go on to Creighton or, or a smaller school. And then if you tore it up and wanted to transfer to Indiana, you know, you could have. And But, you know, obviously, I, you know, I'm not one of those guys that looks back. What I mean, I mean, I had such great teammates and friends, man. I had such a good time in Indiana. Heck, it was all worth it, man. I mean, to have those kind of memories and friends and, and the fun times I had just to average some points. Come on, man. I'd rather have that. <laughs> I, I'd rather have my memories and, and be able to say I enjoyed going to Kilroy Sports. And Kilroy. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Hey, hey, I averaged eight points at Colorado. So. Yeah, you wouldn't. You well, you, you might have still been on the podcast some way, shape, or form. But we we really <laughs> like the Damon fun. Bailey stories. <laughs> hey, uh, Pat, uh, you you alluded to it before. You you came back to Indiana as an assistant coach. Um, I, I do want to just touch on two things in your your coaching days here. The first is you coached under coach at Indiana and Texas Tech, and you talked about being able to peek behind the curtain. Is there one story that sticks out that you can give us a little bit more of that secret sauce that Coach had, something specific he did where you were like, wow, this guy is really good, better than I even thought? Well, I got – well, I really – at IU, didn't see as much of it. But when we got to Tech and had to start a program from scratch, but I got a great IU story that only my wife and select people know. So we get fired. So – I take all my Big Ten rings and Final Four rings, and I drive out to the causeway at Lake Monroe and throw them all in the water. Whoa. Kidding. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Muhammad Ali, and you know the story of him throwing the medals? Yeah. Uh, uh, So, honest to God, I I, I grabbed my – she's my girlfriend at times. Hey, let's go. We go to the causeway. I pitch them in the causeway. And so now I get a message that I got – I mean, I can't make this up. I got a, <laughs> I got a message that they want me to bring my car back, my coaching, my my coach's car back, and leave it in front of Assembly Hall with the keys in it. So after we drive to the causeway, open up the window, throw my rings into the causeway, I turn around as I'm coming back from the causeway. I hit a deer. <laughs> Smashed the total front end of my Jeep Cherokee. So I, I pull a smashed in Jeep Cherokee with fur and blood on it, leave it in front of assembly hall with the keys and ignition. Yes. That's the last time. That's the last time I was at assembly hall until uh, started. Wow. Unbelievable. That is and nuts. I never, and I never heard anything. From anybody about the car. You know, I'm sure insurance took care of it, but it could have been better, man. Oh. Not too many people. My wife was right there with me, and not too many people know that one. Oh, my God. That is unreal. That is incredible. <laughs> I love it. Give us a but uh, now, yeah. But now behind the scenes deal, so we get to tech. I mean, it was wild. Coach would be like, hey, all right, go in there and really jump their ass. I'll come in and, and be the nice guy. And I'm thinking, I mean, it's all this stuff to motivate these guys. And uh, so the best one was, it was right before he retired. It was kind of like my senior year. We had all these young guys that just didn't get how important winning was. So we're sitting there in the locker room, and he calls the managers in. And he's, all right, guys, I want you to go get me a, a big quart of vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream, and a big sheet cake from the grocery store. 
And so we're sitting there at the crew staff, like, what the hell? He's like, man, he's like, these guys think I'm too hard on them. And we're going to, we're going to serve them cake and ice cream today. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, no, seriously. He was like, I, I'm tired of dealing with this. So, so, <laughs> so we, so here come the managers, but I, I'll never forget it's a Sunday and we're watching football and, uh, so here come the managers, and so my dad's like, all right, set up a big long table, put the ice cream in the front, and put the cake in the back. And so uh, they get set up, and they come to us, and so my dad's like, all right, uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go, <laughs> we'll be out there in a minute. So he goes in, and tells his team, all right, guys, let's go, time for practice. So the players walk out there. <laughs> Coach gets gets the ice cream scoops. Like, all right, guys, come on. I want to apologize to you guys. You know, I've been too tough on you. You know, I really want to, I, I want to apologize. I've just been too hard, too hard on you. So we're not going to pronounce today. We're going to have cake and ice cream. Everyone, everyone grab a plate. Come on, come on. <laughs> the first, so I'm, I, I'm at the cake. Coach has got the ice cream. So the first guy comes up and coach is like, what do you want? Vanilla chocolate? Hey, why don't you have both? Come on, man. <laughs> so he's scooping ice cream for the guys. They come down. I give them a piece of cake. The whole team goes through. Coach is serving them all ice cream. I'm serving them cake. I mean, the look on these guys' faces. And so coach is like, everybody happy? We good? He's like, again, I want to apologize. You know, I've just been too hard on you. Well, you guys have a great day. And we walk off. And I'm like, what the hell? And we got a big, I forget it. We're playing some, but we got a big game. And uh, we walk in the locker room. And I'm like, so we're we just going to wait a minute and go back. I was like, hell no. Let's go home. Like, and this is when Parcells was uh, – I think coaching the Cowboys, like, we're going to go home. I was like, I'm going home and watch Bill. Sales today. He's like, let's go. And so uh, it was perfect. So he goes, so we all go home. Just leave the players out there eating cake and ice cream. Well, I guess they got so pissed and embarrassed. I had a manager. I, I told a manager, like, hey, call me and let me know what happens. And so one of our managers calls me about three hours later. He's like, coach, you aren't going to believe this. They got so pissed that they held their own practice. And it was actually a good practice. Amazing. And we ended up winning the next game. Wow. That is it's, nuts. It's just it's just stuff like that. He was a he was a and he never got the credit, you know. And I always told people, you know, you talk about Phil Jackson stuff. I was like, this guy is a master motivator, man. And there's a method to his madness. You know, he oh, so then we have a our his one losing season uh at tech. We know we're not going to be very good. We're all freshmen. So my dad, he pulls the staff together. He's like, guys, you can really get on the team three times a year. And he's like, I mean, he's like, you know, really just get on the team, go off on them, you know, whatever you want to do, kick them out or, you know, go. But after that, they'll tune you out. So you can only do it three times. Well, we're so bad in the, the pre-conference. I think uh, we got a losing record. We lose all three of them. Use all three of our, <laughs> our. I like to, all three of them in the in the in the pre-conference. So now we're about to start the Big Twelve. Holy shit! We probably need about twelve more, you know. For this. <laughs> so so my dad holds a meeting. He's like, guys, we're done. We've get we just got to coach these guys up. He was like, now we got to police each other. If one of us starts going off, not just me, but if one – because, you know, he wanted his assistant coaches to be coaches. So, you know, you're allowed to get on the player. We have got to stop each other. So, honest to God, the rest of the Big Ten – I mean, Big 12, see, we're getting our ass kicked. 
we're, we're policing each other. And I can always tell when my dad's upset at halftime, he, he starts jogging to the locker room <laughs> to get a piece of One time, we're, we're, we're at the United Spirit in Lubbock. We're, you know, we're getting our butts kicked. And uh, coach starts jogging. I, I'm, I finally catch up to him, grab him from behind. He's like, what, what? I was like, Dad, we've used up all three of our times. He was like, man, you're right. He was like, I got to cool off. And his whole deal was in our meeting was, fellas, if we coach these guys up and don't lose them, we'll be back in the NCAA tournament the next year. And I'll be damned. We all, we policed each other, didn't get on them. I mean, we're getting our ass kicked. And his rule was we used all three of them up already. We end up going to the NCAA tournament the next year. Gee, I mean, this is the stuff no one gives him credit for. They just, no. they think they he's just, right, they don't want to hear it because well, it doesn't fit their story. Well, and and to be fair, when have you or him or anybody else gotten a chance to really, to to go and talk about these things? And, and I think we all know how generous he was with the IU library and visiting hospitals. You do hear about the great things he did, but, and we could see the brilliance of the X's and O's on the floor, but this is something that the whole world needs to hear. One, it's wildly entertaining. And two, we can all take something from this. Like, you know, that, oh. that, that it wasn't just screaming, right? Because I think that's what so many people, people think of when and, they think of motivating and he's and hey he's a flawed man we all are he's not he's not perfect and he'll admit that I, so he had a bad temper but i mean i'd really have those problems and you know a lot of these guys are cheating their ass off and, yeah and all the other stuff that's going on and the funny thing is so now he knows i'm gonna become a head coach he actually talked to me we're in oklahoma state and there's just the two of us in in, in uh, the locker room and He's like, hey, look, we got to have a talk. He's like, we got to talk, talk about your language. So he actually lectures me about my language. <laughs> and he was like, you know, I got in a bad habit early on. And if I was to change now, I'd look like a phony. So he's like, I, you know, I, I dug my own grave. I got to live in it. He's like, but don't you do the same thing I did when it comes to language? And wow. then he talked. Then he talked to me, and no one believes this. And another time, we're sitting around. He talked to me about how to deal with the media. He was like, you know, I can't. Same thing. I can't change. And he got better when we were at Tech. You know, I actually talked. You know, he he told me he'd do more interviews and, and 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 try to be more accessible. But again, he told me he's like Pat. Again, I dug my own grave. I can't just change because I'm not going to be a phony. And it was amazing the stuff we talk about. You know, that no one knows about, you know, just what it, you know, just don't do what I did on, on, on a lot of stuff. Wow. And, and uh, but, you know, no, no, no one wants to hear that. They want and, uh, well, we but, do. Yeah, yeah. we and, do. And something yeah, no, 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 I got it. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I've had all kinds of those, uh, uh, conversations with them. amazing. Well, well, and maybe this is a moment to reflect on. You know, how did your relationship change as you became his assistant coach as opposed to a player? Uh, you know, and of course, you're his son the whole time. But does the dynamic change with assistant coaches and, and coach night in general and you in particular? For me, it did because now, I'm, you know, he treats you like an equal. You know, now I'm, not, I'm not a player. Now I'm a, his right-hand guy, you know, and I'm involved in everything, you know, all the – 
playing offense, defense, speaking engagements, you know, and I was the guy he trusted to do all this stuff. And so I made it, it was kind of like pointing out, I'm looking out for him, you know, making sure he doesn't, you know, with the referees, just anything, just trying to, you know, I had, I was his, I always called myself the lion tamer. I was the guy that had to look after him, make sure everything went smooth on and off the court. And, but as a player, you don't have that related. You're a player. You know, there's no, uh, I didn't even go out to eat. I, I didn't go have dinner at his house, you know, when I was playing because I didn't want, I didn't want to cross that line. I just wanted to be a player. But now as an assistant, I'm this right in guy. I mean, I'm hanging out with him all the time, going to lunch, dinner, you know, we're discussing the hell we're going to do each game, offense, defense. And, uh, uh, and that was fun. And we had heated arguments with that. I mean, I think our staff, had to break us up about four or five times just, <laughs> just and they thought we were nuts and then we, then we'd go out then we go to lunch five minutes later but it was just so much fun just being able now you can argue with them you know you're not going to argue with them as a player but now i can argue with them about hey maybe we should start you know this guy on that guy or should you i mean you know now you know he treats you like an equal and you're just trying to help him you know you're with him trying to help win games and then for me the best was when he retired I was done with all the bullshit. People used to call me all the time. And I don't know how many guys I set up interviews for, uh, articles to do, come visit. And I remember a guy called me, Pat, I'm going to do this article, blah, 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 when he was West Point, big time magazine. Anybody would have just, you know, been happy to do it. And I was like, okay he's like you need to call a secretary he's like what i, was like, I don't do that anymore I, was like, I don't ask my dad for anything I, was like, I don't have i don't have him sign stuff i don't have him ask him to do interviews i was like we're father son now so if you want any of this stuff you gotta call a secretary and the, and the, and the guy trying to be cool well, i respect that you know that's a, really i don't give a shit if you respect it or not I mean, <laughs> shit, that's just the way it's that's the way it's gonna be and of course i'll get a hold of the secretary he never got a hold of the secretary of course he got a hold of me but so now it's just fa- fa- father, son. And anything I get in the mail, hey, could you ask? It goes in the trash. Any text, could you? Nah, it got, it, I erase it. It's not my job anymore. If it's a, hey, tell your dad hi, we, oh, that's fine. But anything to do something with, nah, man, you gotta go through a different channel. <laughs> so as you Good go off, you. yeah, and you're you're your own head coach now. Were you, did you realize that at the time or right, right as he retired and you took over and you were, you were on your own, just how special and rare it is in any walk of life to go on a journey like that with your father from, from just being his son running around the gym to playing for him, to coaching next to him, how, how rare and amazing that is. Oh, no, I knew, I mean, it it was a hell of a journey, man. That's why. You know, people. Well, what if you go in here and played played more? You know, nah, it was great. You know, and the only thing I've done different, uh, I didn't want to take over for him. Mm. You know, I mean, that was over my head, man. I mean, come on, your first big game, Big Twelve, you playing Bill Self, you know, Jr. Mm. I mean, but I told my wife, I mean, and the thing was, I I'm not gonna say it's school, but the I got offered to back in the Midwest twice uh, to come back perfect we've been the perfect school i probably would never would have left it and uh but each time tech gave me more money changed my title so finally when they made me head coach and i told my wife i said hell it they'll fire me within two or three years but we'll get paid and mm-hmm. I, I, I i was like you know what but, you know 
that that's just where it is. And then when I got the Lamar job, all I wanted to do was ever prove that I could get the team to the NCAA tournament. And that's all I ever wanted to do. Cause, and after that, I was done. So actually, after my first year of Lamar, and we had that great one, run, got the NCAA tournament, I talked to my wife about retiring. Wow. Because my record was my record was at 500 after taking over for a legend, and I still got you know to the NIT at Texas Tech, and then I got to the NCAA at Lamar. I talked to my wife about retiring. I was like, and getting out of it, but you know, uh, I was told some things you know about rebuilding the team, and it just didn't happen, and and uh, so I got fired again, but. Uh, and I had a, and if I wanted to stay in coaching, I should have. I had a job offer back in the Midwest, and I should have got out then. But you know, when you're told you got five years to rebuild a team by the president, so and and, and uh, I actually told him because <laughs> I got this job offer. We got on the NCAA tournament, and I'm tired of moving. I actually liked it in Beaumont, and so uh, I, I meet with our president, and I'm like, we had a front loaded. The coach before me front loaded the roster to say, you know, he's trying to save his job. Right. So I lost eight out of my top 10 players. Oh. So I tell my president, he's talking to me about, uh, he's like, Hey, we can't pay you what the, the, that school's offering you, but you know, we'll give you a little better raise, you know, but I need you to rebuild this. And I was like, man, we're going to be awful for two years. Uh, and he was like, Pat, I, I'm, I'm going to see you through it. And I was like, well, how long are you going to be here? And I've never told anyone this because when you get fired, the best, you know, you just got to take the high road. Sure. And plus we all and never feel sorry for a coach. They, they still got to pay. You. So we, so, but I was like, how long are you going to be here to see it through? He's like, Pat, I'll be here all five years. And I was like, look, this is how it's going to go. We're not, we're going to be awful next year. Still going to be bad the next year, but we'll be in games. And then that third year we'll be back to normal. We'll either be 500 or better. And then from there, we got it going. So we're awful next year. But then they also front-loaded the the scheduling. My first 11 games that next year, when I lost all my players, was on the road. Oh, God. So we're getting our ass beat. But this president was unbelievable. He's coming in. We're, we're at halftime. We're down 20. He'd come into my coach's locker room. Keep your heads up, boys. I got your back. You know, you guys. You guys got everything. You got my support. The fans love you. I love you. God was unbelievable. And I told my staff, I was like, gentlemen, this is rare. We have got to appreciate this. So now the next year starts. We're a little better, but my president retires. Oh. New guy comes in. And I knew it. And I get fired later on that season. And the sad thing is that next year, like I said, I said we're going to be 500 better. My all-conference point guard left. My leading, my like second leading score left, and no one knew it. We had a kid uh, committed from San Francisco Community College. He goes to Jacksonville with my assistant. Was newcomer of the year there. I had a kid from Vincennes, Indiana, sitting out that the next year became newcomer of the year in the Southland, and and without those guys. The next year they went 500, but if we would have had all those guys, we would have won 20 games again, just like oh, I told the guy. Wow. And so that's coaching. And, you know, and you got to be careful because if, if you talk about the, oh, he's just making excuses or bit, but that's the truth. And I never told anybody that and uh, about the coaching part. So that's, you know, we talked about me getting into coaching. That's, that's it. 
That is a hard game, man. That is a hard business. Oh, I feel sorry for every coach. I mean, because it's an instant coffee society. Nobody can rebuild anymore. Nobody. I mean, it's amazing. And now, you know. We're we're watching it in Indiana right now. I mean, we're watching it in Indiana. and, And help the listeners, the fans, understand the necessity of patience in the situation that Coach Miller is in right now. You know, they're going to fire Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. And Coach stopped that. And it worked out pretty good after then. Oh, your father you know? stepped in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad got on the job. And then they were talking about firing him after, I forget, like three or four years. My dad talked to the AD and, and helped him back then. And Mike, you know, got recruiting going, got his system in. And I think it worked out pretty good for them. Yeah, it and seems like it. Too well. Yeah, we, I, I kind of now wish I blame your, dad your dad had not done yeah, any yeah. of that. But, but, but. But that's what it is. But, you know, have patience with the guy. I mean, it's very – Tony Bennett was going to get fired in Virginia. There was actually – if you look at the hot seats um, before he's got it going in Virginia, he was on the hot seat. I mean, what the hell? And then, But they, they were patient enough. And then, my God, look what he's done like the last three or four years. So people need to be patient. And try to – Archie's the right guy for the job, man. And, and I'm not talking about other guys in the past, uh, but – from a personality standpoint, he understands Indiana. He got the job, called me right away. He told me about my dad and everything and Indiana. He understands it. And uh he, he's gonna he's gonna have him in the right direction. And there's still the season's not over. I mean, they're still gonna uh surprise people. And uh but it's just patience, man. It is hard. I mean, it is hard to keep a group of guys together. Everyone's leaving now for the pros. I mean, it's just hard to have continuity. And I get it from a fan standpoint, but man, trust me, have patience for once, and uh, you may, you know, you may find out you get rewarded for it. Well, I hope so. The problem is your dad ruined it for us. That's the problem. <laughs> he's too good. Yeah. You guys ruined it for us. <laughs> but the good thing is he's a fan of Archie's, you know. Well, we t- uh, believe me that right there, that is enough to buy the fan base another couple years just well, knowing that. And and when uh, Coach Miller got the job, they're they're the word got out that coach Knight supported that hire and he, he was behind it. And even in a time when, when he hadn't come back into the fold yet, that was what we all were dying to hear was, was that coach Knight approved of that hire and felt like we would now be building towards something again, worthy of the legacy he created. Yeah, no, I mean, but it's just tough. And, and, the fans just need to understand that. I mean, heck, really, <laughs> as great as Saturday was, it wasn't fair to that team. I mean, the pressure to be in that game, right. holy cow, man. You know, but it, but from my standpoint, it had to be done. We yeah. Had to get it. We had to do it. I, I would just, gladly trade any win and take the loss <laughs> if it meant getting Coach Knight back in Assembly Hall. And so would every fan of Indiana University basketball. But trust me, Archie does it the right way. They work their ass off in practice. They teach the fundamentals. And, you know, it's not just Archie. I know that whole staff, man. And that was what's great for me. I hadn't seen some of those guys forever because I haven't been able to come back and I'm not coaching anymore. I see guys on the road. And and uh, so they're in, they're in good hands, man. Yeah. I mean, just, just, just be patient, people. And I can say that now because, you know, I, I don't have to deal with fans. But it's tough. I'm telling <laughs> you. I, and, and what people – understand there's nothing as a coach 
You got to do all those interviews. You got to do the press conference after the game. You got to do your radio show. You got to do your TV show. Trust me, there's nothing worse, you know, when you lose some games and you got to put up with all that shit. And <laughs> I, just get, and it's not just Archie and Indiana. People just need to give coaches a break sometime, man. Holy cow. I mean, it's a tough business. I mean, you're relying on 18 to 21 year olds for your livelihood. And, you know, come on, man. That's not an easy job. <laughs> no, you can barely rely on them to deliver your pizza. I mean, <laughs> yeah, let alone exactly. run, run a program. Exactly. But trust me, you know, and, and uh, they're doing it. They're doing it right. And, and, uh, and I know some people, you know, they're not going to listen. But, you know, somebody I think that knows his shit. You know, they should listen. You know, he, he, he's doing it the right way, and, he, and he's going to get it done. Well, uh, you saying that means a ton. Before we let you get out of here, I, we always ask people that spend time at Indiana some fun questions. So we okay. know we know Kilroy Sports <laughs> was your favorite bar. We got that. Yep. That was your place. Yep. Favorite yep. pizza. Favorite pizza. Oh, Cafe Pizza. I still go to Cafe Pizzeria. I take my mom there every time I'm in town. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, what was your least favorite class? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, um, accounting. Uh, besides pizza, favorite restaurant in Bloomington? Oh, man. Uh Oh, 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 shit, man. I, I, I drew a blank. Uh, Big Wheel, man. It's not there anymore. The Big I, Wheel. I don't know Big Wheel. Oh, no, I remember where it was on, like, uh, Walnut? Yeah, where, where, uh, there's, like, a steakhouse. Yeah, that it was, was uh, Colorado Steakhouse was there. It replaced yeah, it, I think. No, yeah, no, it's called the Big, it's, it was the Big Wheel, and it's kind of like a upscale Denny's. And as a kid, that's where the team ate every night after the game. And the owner, Mr. Wildman, lived down uh, from our house in Heritage Woods Road, his family. And, uh, yeah, the big wheel, man. We went there. Like, Feinstein writes about it in, in uh, Season on the Break, but the big wheel, that, that was my favorite favorite restaurant growing up in Indiana. Nice. So, so now uh, you're up in Indianapolis, and I just got to ask you, because it's not something I've ever thought too much about. Oh, I'm sorry, you're in Vegas. You're located in Vegas working for the Pacers. Yeah. Right. So what is the 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 job you're doing day in and day out as a scout for the Pacers? So I do. So my first two years when uh, Larry Bird hired me and how lucky am I? I play for legend. Then I have a legend hire me. How great. Uh, Yeah. You got to give us something about Larry. What's that? What's that guy all about? Oh, that's Larry, man. I mean, he's he's just like my old man. I'm telling you, he may say one one word to you one day and then. You know, have a whole conversation with you. I mean, there's a presence to that guy, man. And he's a loyal dude, man, to his people, just like my dad. I mean, they are a carbon copy of each other. I mean, great guy, man, great. And he threw me a bone, man. Honestly, I get fired at Lamar. Ryan Carr calls me up, my old roommate and manager, that's director of player personnel uh, with the Pacers. He calls me up for the sympathy call. Man, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. They owe me two years. don't, you know, I'm good. Well, what do you want to do? And I was like, yeah. I was like, man, I'm kind of burnt out on coaching. And I was like, you know, I'd really love to do what you're doing, personnel, be behind the scenes. And, you know, this is February. So Ryan's like, hey, you know, I'll get your name out there. And he's like, hey, I'd hire you today. But he's like, Larry Bird does all the hiring in our organization. And so 
uh, I'm like, I was like, that's great. And so I hang up. Five minutes later, Ryan calls me back. I'm like, dude, I'm fine, man. Will we quit call me? He's like, no. He's like, Larry Bird just texts me, and he texts me, I want to hire your boy. And I'm like, really? Because, you know, Larry only played at IU for a month. Right. And uh-huh. left. So Ryan's like, Pat, I don't know what it is, but I'm supposed to. is actually this time that year. It's all-star break. He told me to meet him in the office Monday. And this was like Tuesday. And so I'm like, all right. And so a couple of days later, Ryan calls. Like, hey, I don't know what it is, but would you have any interest in being our West Coast scout? I'm like. Yeah, he's like, well, you'd have to move, and you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna live in Beaumont, Texas. I was like, what? Uh, I have no problem. And he's like, well, we haven't had a West Coast scout for three years, and you know, it's hard to find people to move. And I was like, I got no problem doing it. And so, uh, Ryan meets with Larry, and Larry, and I think they talked about, I don't know, some other st- stuff. And uh, Ryan was like, well, I don't know if he still wants to do do anything like that. He's like, but. Uh, I already talked to him. He'd be our West Coast college scout. And Bird, Bird was like, there's no way. Because I guess the problem is a lot of coaches do scouting for a year and get back into coaching. Right. And Larry was like, look, I'm tired of these guys not realizing what a great opportunity this is. And they make a great career in personnel. He's like, hey, Pat's done. You know, he, 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 wants to, he really wants to try and make this a career. And so Larry's like, well, hell, that's true. That kills two birds with one stone. He's like, just tell him we're going to hire him as our West Coast scout scout. He's got to move closer to L.A., and this is what we'll pay him. But I was like, he cannot tell anybody because I don't want to hear anything, you know, about the, you know, being in Indiana only for a month and, and, and all this <laughs> and, and the relationship with his dad. And, and uh, plus, he's like, I got to get a pass for next year, you know, and, and so for the budget. So, you know, if, it'll be July when, when he – uh we'll make it official. So the only guy, I, I didn't tell my mom, I, I told my dad, my dad actually got choked up, you know, because that's one of his biggest regrets that he didn't uh, go down. And, and when Larry left, mm. go down and chase him and, and try to get him to come back. And he actually got choked up about it. And, and uh, it was kind of neat, wrote Larry a letter and everything, but that's his, probably his biggest screw up, you know, is letting him leave. And, uh, but wow. so yeah, shit, that, that's how it happened. So, I did the college stuff the first three years, and then they switched me to pro personnel. So what that means, I'm involved with, you know, the trades and free agency, and I'm in charge of the whole Western Conference. Wow. And do you love it? Yeah, I love it. You know, you always miss coaching, but you don't miss the recruiting, you know, and all the all the BS. Right. And, uh, but I love I mean, Kevin Pritchard's a freaking genius, you know, is our president. Chad Buchanan's great as our GM. You know, I work for my old college roommate, Ryan Carr. I mean, just great freaking people, man. The You know, Mr. Simon, everyone talks about Mark Cuban. You know, he's a great guy and great owner. But, man, Mr. Simon is a great owner, great guy. So, you know, I'm kind of fortunate, you know. And I, and I get to go back to Indiana now. You know, I mean, you know, you grow up with the Pacers and now you work for, you know, Donnie Walsh is a, a consultant still. I mean, you know, I – Shit, I've been spoiled rotten when it comes to basketball. I, 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 I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask real quick. Uh, I don't know how much, if any interaction there is with Quinn and the crew that does the games for Fox Sports on behalf of the Pacers, but I, I grew up 
uh, in Peru, Indiana, with my homie doing uh, sports television, Jeremiah Johnson. And I didn't know if you ever got to got to meet Jeremiah or interact with him. Oh yeah, those guys are practice. Like when we come back from meetings, you know, uh, we go down to practices, and all the guys, you know, TV guys, radio guys, are there, and uh, great guys. I mean, the whole organization, man. I mean, but those guys are great guys, and and uh, so I get to, you know, I don't get to see them a lot because I'm based in Las Vegas. All the scouts, we got guys everywhere. So there's only, a, you know, uh, this the higher ups really, uh, really how the NBA works. If you're a scout of any kind, you, you don't live where the team lives because you try. I mean, I see two to five games a week, so I'm always on the road, and you know, you got to be someplace where you're close to where you got to cover. So. Um, only so I don't get to see those guys as much as I like, but uh, but, but when I do see them, they're good guys. And you do get to watch the greatest basketball players in the world several times a week, so that just must be a treat. And I get paid for it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we get to talk to the biggest and best Indiana legends of all time, and we get paid nothing for it, and we still love it. <laughs> well, we so, gotta change that, man. Yeah. We, gotta, we gotta get something going, uh, Pat. Uh, well, first of all, I do have to ask: Do you get to LA a lot? Do you do you come to LA? Yeah, I'm there all the time because the uh, the Clippers and Lakers, and then the Lakers because uh, I got to do the G League too, and the, their G League team. Like my first trip back is at the end of the month. I got uh, Lakers, two Clippers games, and a, a G League game. So I'm well, always in LA. Pat, I am sure that the answer would be no if we did this not publicly, but hopefully we're just going to make you be a nice guy. Next time you're in L.A., you let us know. We would love to take you out for dinner, smoke a cigar, grab a drink, do something. Hell yeah, man. I mean, find me a tiki bar. I'm a big tiki bar fan. All right. So oh. Let's find oh, we know the best. I know the best tiki bars in town. All right. And if you come to Vegas, I, I got two of the best ones here. So. All right. We, we are in. Pat, uh, look, Randy Whitman, Quinn Buckner, Larry Rink, Bob Hamill, and Karen. Let's give Karen her due yeah, oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. It, and Scott May. Scott and Scott May. May. And Scott Dolson. Yes. Scott Dolson. Scott Dolson deserves a ton of credit being the guy kind of on the inside that really supported what was happening. But also, it does not happen without you. And what you did for Indiana playing for the five years that you were there, the two years you were there as an assistant – what you did just for Indiana in that time would have been enough. But what you did to help make this day happen on Saturday and kind of heal these wounds that have been open for so long is something that we and millions of Indiana fans will never forget. You, you, it has been an honor to talk to you, Pat, and give us as much time as you have. I love hearing the stories. It, it just makes us love your dad all the more and makes us respect what you did uh, and how you handled yourself in the role that you had at Indiana all the more. I, I just cannot say thank you enough to you, Pat. Oh, I appreciate it. But for me, you know, hell, I would have loved to have been a great player and given that back to the fans. But to me, this is a way, since I couldn't do it as a player, I could do it as a, a son and, and a former player by getting him, you know, to help get him come back. So that was kind of like my gift to the fans for uh, – you know, being so supportive of me, you know, even though I wasn't a great player, but this is the way I could give back. Since I couldn't do it as a player, shoot, I could do it now as a son and, and get him to come back and we just get everything, you know, going for the future. You know, everybody can be happy. 
Well, and and I just one of the things that overwhelmed me there was seeing you and all the other players who have been at Assembly Hall all too infrequently, if at all, in the last 20 years. So that day, why it was so focused uh, on your father, it was magical for you all to come home. And on behalf of all the fans, welcome home. Oh, thank you. And plus, I miss Kilroy Sports. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, you got to get back over there. The jungle. But, but I got I to gotta, I gotta start going to Knicks, though, because I'm, you know, I'm older now. Yeah, you man. You're mature. Time, you know? Mature people. go. Sophisticated people go to Knicks. <laughs> and play Sink to Bismarck. You yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> it is exactly. It's very sophisticated. Very elegant. Hy- very hygienic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, you be good. Uh, I'll text you. Next time you're in L.A., we're definitely getting together. Yeah, text me. Hey, text me your guy's number because honestly, I'm going to be there in a couple weeks. So let's get together. Awesome. Will do, Pat. Take care, man. All right, guys. I appreciate it. This just keeps getting better, Eric. I am just emotionally exhausted. I am. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just emotionally exhausted. We had the weekend in Bloomington. Saturday was an emotional roller coaster. Um, I mean, we, we didn't really know what we would do for this podcast. Mm-mm. And and the truth is, we have a Calbert Cheney part two podcast coming up. And we talked to Calbert beforehand about what it would mean to him if coach did come back, because we kind of heard the rumors as well and thought maybe it'll happen. But I can't think of a, you, you said it right before we started. This was the perfect one to do for coming out of this weekend. It. It was something where nobody is going to better understand what it meant to coach and the former players and the fans, frankly, than than Pat. And for him to take that time, and he's been talking to a lot of folks, to take that much time to go in-depth with this on what the weekend meant and then to go all the way back to the beginning and start there and take us all the way through that with a perspective that nobody else on earth has. I know. I just love knowing that Coach loves all kinds of nuts and is a big fan of uh, of chocolate milk and Coke. I just love to know that stuff. Well, and I so thought when he was telling us the story at Texas Tech about ice cream and cake that he was rehashing the Laz Lazkowski, story. Lazkowski, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. He's... With Laz, he did it earnestly. <laughs> yeah, this, here... this one was a big F you to all the players, perfectly conducted by the conductor. Yes, by and and just like you can only get on a team three times. Yeah. Like just kind of knowing that intuitively and then adhering to it. You know what I mean? Like for an knowing, entire wretched season. Now, I do think some of his players might say that the difference here is that what coach thinks is only getting on you three times. The rest of the time, coach may think it's not getting on you, and they're probably still just getting blistered for it. But it sounded like a real team effort by the coaching staff to like keep that in check and, and make sure that line wasn't crossed. I, I, I said it to him. If you follow Indiana basketball for the last 30 years, 40 years, you have always heard the name Pat Knight. You knew him as a kid before he got there. You knew him as the player. You knew everything. Uh, Pat Knight, he was just part of your world. And I'd never had the chance to talk to him or speak to him. Uh, you know, he played before I got there, just a couple years. Actually, actually, yeah, his last year was, was I came the year after. And it's just such a nice thing to be able to connect to the direct lineage of 
Bob Knight. Well, and you know what I thought about going on that thread is Steve Green, how we go back to him having met Everett Dean and yeah, gone yeah. to the Branch Kraken camps, and then he's holding Pat Knight as a baby. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful family that's whole again. It's, We're it's, back. It's incomprehensible to me that, that we got here. Yeah, and I love that he talked about Archie gets it. You know, and, and that's the other thing. We didn't talk about this, but Archie had Coach come back and talk to the team. Like, if Archie didn't get it or didn't want it or wasn't supportive of it, it wouldn't happen. And and I think it's good to know that Pat likes Archie, that, a re, you know, reconfirmation that Coach is supportive of Archie. It just makes me feel good and uh, gives me some some optimism, even in the face of the on the court results that we've seen. Hearing Pat talk about the patience needed, uh, it's just always good to hear this stuff. Well, and look, um, Coach Izzo just made headlines for taking uh, the podium and ripping people on Twitter for getting after these kids. And I think, in light of say the, the Keon Brooks recruitment, where the ugly face of the minority of Indiana fans, the very small minority of Indy fans, Indiana fans, I'm sorry, that get online and just say stuff they would never have the courage to say in person. Um, I just hope that people listening to this or people listening to this who maybe talk to their friends who don't listen to this are like, look, we're a part of turning this around. If we start eating our own, which is a term we heard when we were in Bloomington this weekend, that it happened before and we're dangerously close to doing it again. We need to stop eating our own, you know, and behind closed doors or whatever. Let's let's get our fan fanaticism and and irrationality out. But to take that out into a public space, you're hurting the team. You are hurting the efforts of Coach Miller to turn this thing around. So let's keep it in the family and and really present a united front here and do what little we can from the sidelines to help them be the team we all want them to be. What happens if we lose by 20 at home to Iowa? <sighs> Burn it down! <laughs> <laughs> Not us. Never us. <laughs> Listen, that was just, uh, like I said, it's it's been an emotional, emotional uh, time for Indiana basketball fans on both sides. I get the frustration. We all do. We feel it on the court. But what happened Saturday transcends a game. It transcends a season. It transcends an era. It, it, what happened Saturday was a special thing that we will all remember forever. And it's 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 hard to still comprehend it, but that since we've been doing this pod we have kept our spirits up remembering how great it was for basically, you know, the first 20 years of our life and then the up and down struggle since then. It's been great to, to keep walking down memory lane and we're going to keep doing that and keep doing that. Um, hold on. I'm forgetting what I'm saying. So I'm going to cut this. Wait, what was my point? Um, I don't know. You know, it was good. Okay. Going down. Memory. It's good to remember all the good stuff. But now, we heard it here tonight, is that's over. All that drama. The angst. The, uh, the, 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 the regrets about the past and how that is still continuing to haunt us and fracture us. It's over. 
Yeah. In five minutes. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Why isn't he? Like, why won't all these legends be a part of the program? Why don't we have the continuity that these other schools had? And look, we still have 20 years of ground to make up, but that in five minutes on Assembly Hall Court, everybody's back. We're all a family again, just like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. And there is no better person other than Coach Knight to hear it from uh, than Pat. And and I just was blown away by his truthfulness, his honesty, his his vulnerability in talking about like what kind of player he was. Um, him em- talking about how he embraced the role that he had, which was, I'm going to help make Calbert Cheney better. I'm going to just do that. I'm going to become that player. And the practices are my games. Like, I'm going to take myself out of the starting lineup because I don't feel comfortable. It's not right for the team. He can talk all he wants about, like, he wishes he was a great player. I don't give a shit about that. He's a great Hoosier. And we need great Hoosiers to be on the roster of Indiana University. And And looking to the future, I know we got a couple of those kids coming in and another kid from the East Coast who seems to have the right attitude about it, too. Who we're going to talk to, hopefully, very soon. Yeah. Him and Trey. Yeah. So, wow, uh, I just got nothing left. No, that that's good. Let's go sleep for a couple days. Follow us on Twitter. By the way, thank you to everybody who helped push us over the 5,000 mark. Quick little story I found out today mm-hmm. when we sent out the little video, video asking people to help us get to 5,000. My mother, who cannot operate a light switch, <laughs> asked my dad to sign her up for Twitter so she could be a follower to help us get to 5,000. Amazing. I mean, thank you. Marshall. I love you, mom. Uh, so follow us on Twitter at uh, Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but, but the, the sometimes, sometimes why. why. We will talk to you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.